State Update with TC and Jake, Troy Duncan with weather, and Vern Lundquist on sports. Hello, I am TC Fleming here with big Fort Worth Vaqueros fan Jake Kemp. That's right. I've been told that if I wear this to their games, I'll get in free. I have yet to find out. Why, why, why do you have jerseys? Something you've never been to? Uh, you've never it's seen one Vaquero. Uh, the sponsor? At chat room. Oh, okay. They run this place and a couple other places over there. And they, I, li- I, like, I like soccer jerseys, but just not so much the soccer. Soccer jerseys are the best jerseys to wear casually. They gotta be. As long as you avoid the collar. Right? I'm thinking about it. Because of the, like, you don't have to decide whether or not you want to wear sleeves underneath it. And hockey basically makes it to where you can only wear it when it's cold outside. Which, you know, makes sense. So, yeah, I just like the jersey. That's it. But I don't know if this is the part of the show where we want to be plugging other bars and. <laughs> Whatever. It doesn't matter. It's a Fort Worth Dallas divide. They're understanding people. Are you Everyone sure you're plugged involved. in? Um, I could just barely yeah. hear you. Uh, it's registering real loud, like on here. Well, that's fine then. So I don't know why it's not in your ears. I apologize. Do you think Troy Duncan and Vern Lundquist is like the the Emmett and Troy of local broadcasting? Like, has there ever been a higher like? Is it that's the peak? Yeah. Well, was like it, Troy Duncan definitely had the option to go national. Kurt Menefee was here, right? Yeah. That's pretty big. Where was he? Let's see. That's a great question. Dallas. I think he was just at the ticket. No, there's CBS, no way. KTVT. Yeah, there you go. KTVT. Uh, and I don't remember who they had at that point. I don't either. I was four. What about Tracy Rowlett? Do you remember him? Yeah. He was a boss, kind of. They stuck with him forever. I agree. Uh, I actually have some uh, news and notes for you in local uh, newscaster updates. It's not what you think it is. But uh, first, we probably need to let everybody know that we'll be at Off the Record next week. We'll be at the, We'll be there next week for sure. But if you have to pick between that and uh, an upcoming week, we got this election thing pretty straightened out. Yeah. And it's going to be dope really dope good. Ever smoked. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to do it up. Big time. It's, it's going to be, be at, yeah, gonna be at Club Dada. I believe we said doors at eight. Yeah, I think so. And, um, you I know, think, I think we're going to charge you three dollars if you can't prove you voted. So the main thing there is just vote or don't and vote with your money. I want you to vote like a smart person who would perhaps claim a nine hundred sixteen million dollar loss one day one year. So he didn't have to fuck with federal taxes for the rest of his life. He's a brilliant man. And Two months from now, at Off the Record, we will celebrate his crowning achievement as President of the United States of America. But first, we're there next Tuesday. If you all want the uh, pure ecstasy I've experienced in my life of watching Jake Kemp watch Fox News, then you can do that live. Yeah. No, I am going to really go in that night. And also, next uh, Tuesday, and as my wife is hearing this, she's going to be really upset. She's out of town next week. So next Tuesday is probably a night where I'm not going home <laughs> if we're going to be at off the record. So that might get a little weird. 
Yeah, um, so and yeah. Um, much like your normal Fox News stuff, that seems like a party night, the election night thing. Like, I don't know. Yeah, Roger Let's get messed up. fucking raping somebody. Let's Hang get out. messed up and record ourselves and broadcast it live. Yeah, and uh, ask the women to all be a little bit more suggestive in their news teases. Yeah. Oh, that all that shit was like the least surprising thing ever, man. Like nobody ever watched the Fox degree News of and it didn't was feel surprising so sexually alive. <laughs> <laughs> the degree of it was surprising to me. By like, contrast, nothing has ever killed an erection in the news game like MSNBC. <laughs> the colors were, were dull. There was no milfs. They got what they were looking for. A stark contrast to Fox News. But anyways, yeah. Thank you to uh, Central Track for helping us set that up. At uh, it'll probably be actually just at Off the Record, which or Club Dada, which is next to Off the Record. At Club Dada Thursday night, you can go see the Polyphonic Spree and Dove Hunter for just sixteen dollars. Oh wow, that's right. It's this it's a week. bargain at twice the price. So if you'd like to get a whole weekend out of that weekend and kick things off on Thursday night, you have that option. As do you, just about any night at Off the Record, because. Uh, you know they have an ever-changing drink menu and it's it's all good it's good stuff there hey can i tell you about some shoes yeah why not so we uh we have some friends oh this is a specific thing with shoes it's not just some shoes that you came across that you want to tell me about i'm more interested now i don't understand well if it was just you telling me about some shoes and that was like the start of a story less interested if it's like an actual something i could go purchase or you know like if this is an ad then i'm more interested than if it was just a story about some shoes what about i can't help but feel insulted by that entire setup but what about uh how interested would you be if i told you that this saturday at north park at the dillard's you can go and try on a pair of dansko shoes and be entered to drawing for a complimentary pair and that if that seems a little racy for your blood. It mm-hmm. kind of seems most of the way to gambling. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you just want to be up front, go in, purchase a pair of shoes. Good news for you. You'll get a complimentary gift set with purchase. That includes a ball clap, a ball cap, a wallet, a water bottle, and a shoe buffer. I don't know what a ball clap is, but it sounds like something that I don't think they want us advertising. Um, and I don't the think The fine I'm folks at Dansko are, uh, yeah, but I mean, their understanding of people with semi stutters is probably the main thing well they sent us each a pair and uh it's the nicest shoes i own and it's not close now you might be thinking that's a terribly low bar but there was a time before i had a wife where i was blowing a lot of money on footwear he had the shoes that lebron wore to the decision that's right and i stood in front of the television and looked at his feet and looked at my shoes and looked at his feet and looked at my shoes i took photos I, I wore those shoes until the soles were falling off because I was there the night that that generous donation to the Boys and Girls Club was made. So I've definitely spent money on shoes before, and these are the nicest shoes I've and ever Dansko had in my life. And shoes are better than the shoes that LeBron wore to it's the decision. Uh, but yeah, Saturday at North Park at the uh, Dillard's, 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. There'll be fit experts there. Um, like TC said, trying a pair to be entered into a drawing for a complimentary pair. And uh, then the next day, Sunday, the 9th, if you're over in that western portion of the, Met- of the Metroplex, Northeast Mall, the Dillard's, Northeast Mall, and Hearst, Euless, Northampton Hills area, noon to 5. So the Dansko uh, shoes have orthotic footbeds, superior arch support, um, and they're really nice. They're just super, super nice shoes that you can get at a nice price. And uh, 
Yeah, so go check them out Saturday, 10 to 5 at North Park, or Sunday the 9th, noon to 5 at Dillard's Northeast Mall. And uh, if you're interested in seeing what they look like, maybe just Google them because uh, you can check out all the models there and then you can go try and some, uh, some shoes. Yeah, D-A-N-S-K-O. D-A-N-S-K-O. So in local broadcaster news, um, by the way, we have a guest with us here today. I think I'm going to call you Mason. <laughs> That's cool. All right. Whatever this, you want to call me. This is my friend Brick, and he's going to teach us about two things. Mortgages? Uh, how to make sure that a tour bus always has blank. <laughs> and if somebody gets in trouble for that, how to deal with the legal system and probation. <laughs> we talk or about how the, not to. How not to. <laughs> talk about the justice system a lot here, but we're kind of doing it from a 10,000 foot. Uh, yeah, let's zoom view. in. Yeah, let's zoom in a little bit. <laughs> we're going to zoom in. But uh, first, in my news and notes, uh, my dad comes in town like every two months. And so... When he does, he goes and stays with my grandfather. And the last like three times I've gone over there during the week to just spend a couple hours BSing with them and usually watch some Rangers or whatever. It's usually at like f- between five and six when I get there, whenever the local news is hitting. And all they do is rate, debate, compare, contrast the female local news reporters and anchors. Sure. Yeah. And I mean, it is. It's graphic. It's specific. <laughs> it's stuff that it's things that I can tell that they say when I'm not there. That my 85 <laughs> year old grandfather is not pleased to have my dad uh, saying that he is said in front of me. Um, it's, can I cut to the chase? They know all their names. Where uh, where where's Shelly slotting in? Just be honest with me. <laughs> uh, I don't. It's more like that I don't want to be honest. Not that I don't want to be honest with you. It's that I don't want to be honest with her. Oh, not great. Okay. Well, she's not listening. Not great. Oh, that's rough, man. Some top talent in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. Uh, you know, we've got different... We must just have different tastes. Shelly Slater? That's fine. I'm in on this, too. Uh, listen, it's Kaylee O'Kelly or Bust. Channel 11 has a pretty sweet weather woman. Ka- Kaylee O'Kelly is like their 6 o'clock anchor, and... Uh, She's out of this world. <laughs> I'm just going to be honest with you. Uh, she's a little, not older, but she's older. Than, she looks older than uh, I mean, Shelley's you're endorsing lady. her, so I figured that she was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah those, you probably knew. Um, but my grandfather, uh, big fan of, uh, it's Kaylee O'Kelly, yeah, big fan of, uh, of Meredith Land. You know, more of a traditional look. More of a wholesome look. Then she goes ahead and opens that mouth. Yeah, and jeez, dude, <laughs> and uh, that op- that opening of the mouth yesterday was uh, after a Dak Romo poll that they ran from online, where they claimed a seven thousand vote response, in which Romo was routed eighty nine to eleven by Dakota. Guess what her take was. A close friend of the Romo family, Meredith Land. I got a good guess. I'm sticking with Team Tony. <laughs> That's because Dak's wife doesn't hang out with you. Here's my girl, by the way. All right. That's a good yeah. one. But uh, no, that, that's literally all they do. That's all they do up until 7 o'clock when WWE Raw starts. And all my grandfather's uh, grandfather asked my dad was, are the divas tonight? <laughs> 
I'm gonna hang out with your grandfather. That's my night too. Are the divas tonight? Uh, and they would switch back and forth, and their their judgment of whether or not we were watching. Monday night football or wrestling was, is there a chick with her tits popping out uh, currently on the screen on WWE Raw? That Vince McMahon, he understands marketing. That was the entire (laughs) night. That and uh, some suggestions for what how to get rid of Colin Kaepernick. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. It was Colin Kaepernick, Cam Newton sliding right into praise for Carson Wentz. <laughs> Look, I know he's an eagle, but I just love this guy. Uh, and it was, you know, it was perfect. Everything he about it was perfect. He respects the game. He plays with the right attitude. Right. That's right. It was amazing. Uh, it just all, it all played exactly like I thought the script would play. Um, you know, I think I like Carson Wentz. I'd really like to... Uh, d- d- how many times do you replay in your mind how close we were to having a personal conversation with Carson Wentz? Yeah, it was close. They protected him well. But uh, I th- I think he seems great. But I think that by the end of this whole thing, I'm probably not going to be able to handle it. Like, he's got too many Instagram photos shucks. of hunting. Yeah. He's and just, oh, I was just It's not that I have a problem with him hunting. It's that I have a problem with how much announcers can't handle the fact that he hunts just like them. Yeah. Like that's right up there with uh with such and such used to play basketball in college. Yeah, yeah. I get it. Julius Thomas was a basketball player. <laughs> Brett Favre used to own some land. I, I don't know if you know that. I've heard, yeah. Um number two, Kurt Schilling's running for Senate. <laughs> Rhode Which, Island? Uh, it's not interesting so much in its own Massachusetts, right? I mean, I, I'm not sure. I'm asking, is he running? Like it, he's not, he doesn't have a serious campaign, right? Tell uh, me he doesn't. Man, I don't know. I don't know that he's necessarily going to do it this time, but okay. Um, he told Neil Cavuto, as you might remember Trump referencing why, whenever he was asking why nobody calls Hannity. Um, that he believes in being a senator, being a governor, being in public office. That's all about being a leader, and that's what he is. He wants to run in Massachusetts. He wants to run against Elizabeth Warren. Yeah, he also uh, led a company into $2 million of debt. <laughs> well, the thing about that is he was trying to start a video game company, and video games are not very popular or profitable. Yeah, that, that is a tough they're hurdle a, that he had to jump over. on a massive decline. <laughs> Nobody plays video games. No, just they've been phased out. Uh <laughs> The reason that I'm interested in Kurt Schilling running for office is obvious, and that is that we need more fucking Trump-esque stuff. Because no. after Trump, we're going to be like fiending. I'm going to be fine. No, you're not. I'm going to feel great. This is the new normal now, and we're going to need the fucking Narcan no. to help us come back to life. He's not nearly successful enough to, like, whenever he loses but by... But when he says wild stuff, they're going to keep giving him a mic. Kurt Schilling or whoever. Like, they'll just... But if it doesn't consistently lead to electoral victories, like, uh, and I mean, you know, electoral doesn't reply to a Senate campaign, but you get what I'm saying. Victories on the campaign trail. Campaign managers are not going to be, like, greenlighting this stuff right and left. And I understand the campaign managers aren't, like, heavily involved in Donald Trump's whole thing. But I don't know. I... I think that it's not exactly being laid out as like a clear blueprint for success. So because of that, I'm not sure it's going to be mim- mimicked left and right. We'll see. Well, I hope it is. I hope that it's 5149 and that that only emboldens crazies to be like, we just need to keep pushing. Just say wilder shit. Like, 
His problem was he wasn't wild enough. <laughs> That's right. He needs to, he's got to go further. Um, and then the last thing is, last week we talked at the end of the podcast about um, a big victory, and sometimes you just got to take the L. The L, I missed a dentist appointment last Saturday. I overslept. And uh, they charged me 125 fucking dollars. I still, there's no way they can do that. What happens if you don't pay it? They had my credit card on file from the last time I was there. I had the same question. If I hadn't had the credit card, how would they have collected? My guess is they probably would have sent it to collections. But then they, what? Well, then you, I mean, it just, you get a collection agency calling you with, you know, fucking. You've lost your dentist for one. Well, you definitely lost your dentist. In fact, I, the dentist is they, this. This there's is a lot of dentists out there. But we're at an impasse over this. The dentist is gone. Uh, there's I no chance a, I would go I back to a dentist. dentist. Yeah. And see, that's the thing. Uh, how many other people do you think? Well, the second you say like, "Well, we didn't give you anything, but well, we want 125 dollars." The weird thing is, they said that I had missed another one, but I actually didn't miss the other one. I just called and moved it two days beforehand. Like two days beforehand, something came up where Cat like moved our meeting or something, and I couldn't get there. And so they said that one counted as my first one and I should have been charged $50, but they didn't charge me anything. So they're like, oh, you should have been charged then. You sh- and you should have been told then that it's 125. And I'm like, but I wasn't. So I, I go look at my credit card and they charge me $125. And my appointment would have been like 40. I mean, I'm calling the credit card company and disputing the charge. I'm going to full on war with this dentist. And it's a stupid fucking thing because unless you can get every, like, unless you can really tap into the dentist association and get all of them to do this, why, why aren't you immediately going to another dentist? I mean, well, I, mean I, I, I know you are, but yeah. I'm saying like, you know, that seems like a quick way to lose someone, business. Yeah. It's wild. Do we even need dentist? I feel like dentistry is borderline it's a, a racket. Question. It's a racket. Yeah. I mean, it was, it's a classic John Stossel. Like if he went to 10 dentists, they'd probably tell him 10 different things and tell you him. Just he, brush your teeth. Tell him he need to do that. I know. That's a thing. You don't even got to do that that much. I think <laughs> we should stop short of that. I know that there's been times where you've probably just been like, I'm going to try to go a couple days without. Just don't. Times? <laughs> times? Your teeth look really clean right now. Uh, yeah, we, we brushed the last couple of days consecutively. <laughs> How many a days a week streak? would you say you miss out? Uh, I'll be kind to myself and say two days a week. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> you miss brushing your teeth two days a week. I've never had a cavity. I, there's no consequences for this behavior. Why would I change it? But again, that cavity thing, I feel like you're playing both sides here. Like you can't say that their job is a racket and then also say that like they're like, what do you know? The cavity thing is probably just... Could be one will tell you ten, one will tell you none. I have a very skewed view on this because uh, I've been told by several different dental experts I have very mineral rich saliva. Oh my god! Really prevents those cavities, <laughs> grows them strong back there. It chews a lot of orbits gum. It chews a lot of orbits gum. I'm just letting you know. Oh my god! I have a perfect dental record. Your pH level in your mouth is perfect. Exceptionally strong teeth. So you can open a can, a, a bottle with your teeth. No problem. I think this, I do it left and right. I think Give the, me a whole 12 pack. <laughs> the lead is that you were generous to yourself and opted for 60%, 65% of the time you brush your teeth. I'm an honest teeth. man. And on those days, is it is it ever, is it usually twice? Do, do I brush my teeth twice a day? Yeah. I haven't brushed my teeth twice a day in my life. I've never brushed my teeth. Uh 
on the uh, I don't want to say that. Dude, that's fucking nuts. You have nice teeth too. These are veneers. These are fake. Okay. <laughs> See, that's the play. <laughs> <laughs> Just burn it out. <laughs> Man, this is fucking wild. I thought everybody brushed their teeth twice a day. And you were the one who was going you were shilling for big floss? What do you mean? Like whenever I was saying, if you brush your teeth two or three times a day, you really don't need to floss, especially if you use like a good toothbrush and you do the bit where you count it out. You either sing a song to yourself all the way through the part you know that goes to a minute. You got to get to a minute. Brushing your teeth alone isn't... I mean, like, see, the thing with the... uh the, the draw, but you probably say this is a man who's only enjoying advantages in the teeth game. <laughs> Nay, my friend. Uh, the saliva can work hell on those gums. So you really got to be careful about the gums. But I mainly attack that with uh, mouthwash. If I, if I just keep a pretty steady dose of mouthwash. Because for, there was, I don't know. I'm being way more honest than most people are in public settings and so it's going to make it look bad on me but really i'm actually like the good guy because i'm so upfront about everything sure um but there was a year or two where whenever i brush my teeth my gums would bleed and i figured it was because like like you know the dentist would always say like well if you don't floss like every day then it's just going to keep doing this um but then like i used mouse wash like five times and it went away Wow. So don't listen to him. Mouthwash is awesome. I mean, I think this is probably going to get a range and rash of responses. This is the weird thing about doing this show is you do learn that there are a lot of things that you think that you do that no one else does and vice versa. That's true. So there's going to be a lot of people that are like, that's wild. I've brushed three times a day every single day for the rest of my life. And there's probably going to be a lot of other people. Now you're getting all your enamel off there. You uh, brush too much. What do these problem. people do that have the time to brush three times a day? That's I, a great question. I'll tell you exactly what I do. I brush in the shower. That's one right there. Okay. The first minute I spend in the shower is with, and I also uh, don't regret it. I bought a Sonicare. Yeah, I've used it. I think it's a hundred bucks. I used it when I was a kid. I just don't like it. It's uncomfortable. It's not supposed to be comfortable. Well, I mean, it, it's, you supposed know, to, it's supposed to work. Maybe if I switch to Sonicare, then I wouldn't get cavities. And it I also like think there might be incentive. something to like. I've been trying to look for healthy benefits of smoking cigarettes. <laughs> and uh, Just googling, you got a Google alert set. Well, on the weekend, <laughs> if I'm going to smoke some cigarettes, I will brush way more. That's like smart. Five times because I yeah. just don't like smelling like a cigarette. Yeah, and uh, you still want on your teeth. You don't right. want yellow teeth. So I think that's the thing is that people who uh, smoke cigarettes like a pack a day, like actual smokers. They're not brushing after every cigarette. I think that my teeth are actually getting whiter the more cigarettes I smoke. Because you're brushing And my more. gums are actually getting, exactly, they're, they're getting even more clean. I don't That's know. It's a fair trade-off. That's a fa- I, I've strengthened my health, and I run more because I'm like, oh, shit, cigarettes, I got to run that out. So then I'm like, you know, I'm even Like your lungs shape. and teeth are like steel reinforced now. <laughs> because, of because, of, yeah. because of cigarettes. <laughs> wow. I'll buy that. I never thought I'd be in the room with two people at the same time who don't brush twice a day. And here we are. Dude, I shame the shit out of my wife, too. Like, I start before... Because she was once a day? But No, but she just doesn't go long enough. And she's the same thing. <laughs> but I've never had a cavity. I've never had a cavity. And I'm like, still going, still going, holding up the four fingers, four quarters, <laughs> finish the game. God, I would hate it if my wife and I got ready at the same time. It's more like bed. You don't go to bed at the same time either, do you? No. That's wild. And you don't live with a woman, so... Fortunately not. Yeah. Unfortunately not, whichever one you want to go with. Well, anyway, so the reason I didn't, I didn't get that mad, and I want to save time for uh, for guest talk, but the reason I didn't get that mad is because 
the exact same day that I found out that I got charged $125 for not showing up for a dentist appointment. And again, it was at 8.30 on a Saturday morning. Who the fuck were either of us kidding by letting you book? Letting, <laughs> come on. That That's should, a racket in itself. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> That's scam time. That office was empty yeah. from 8 to 10 as they're just cha-ching, cha-ching, yeah. running around the office, throwing money. That's the secret. Uh, the dentist was 50 the miles mask. away. Yeah, no, he wasn't even there. Uh, the same day, I don't think we really talked about this ever, but I'll try to explain it quickly. When you buy a house when you're young, you don't really know how any of this shit works. Um, and no one really explains it to you. And even your parents, when they try to explain it to you, it doesn't really make sense. You know, you're buying the house. You see that there's an amount that's going to your mortgage, which actually goes to your bank. You see there's an amount that's being paid on interest, principal, and on taxes. And I guess... You learn that you're paying your taxes into an escrow account every month, and then the mortgage company is paying the county for you for your county property taxes, blah, blah, blah. All I knew is I was paying one number every month, and that was it, and it was fine. The first year that we owned our home- And you've been doing it for a whole year, so you start right. to really kind of feel like you're in a rhythm. This is right. how much the house costs. Everything's Now, great. there was a weird deal where in year one, they're like, oh, now your house is $200 more a month. And I'm like, but that's not what I bought it at. And they said, but no, it's worth more now. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. well, I thought the point of buying a house to who was that <laughs> as it became worth more, that was the benefit of me having bought it at that cheaper price. Because <laughs> yeah. the jackass down the street wants to put a gazebo out. That's back. exactly right. Yeah. That's what happened. Is That's a couple streets, a couple houses on my street got knocked over, the old ones, where you know poor people lived. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, they got run out, and then somebody put up a really nice house. Um, and that happened enough to where they're like, now your house costs more. Because the taxes are more. I'm like, all right, I guess I understand that. Now you're also the poor person like a racket. The There's no doubt. There's still a couple. <laughs> um, but this other deal is I paid my taxes for a year into escrow, and they paid my taxes for me. And in fact, that year, I got a little bit of money back. Like They were like, oh, we paid. you paid too much into escrow is an estimate. Your taxes ended up being a little bit less. Here's $1,000. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, that's fucking sweet. We'll put that in savings. That happened again the second year. Second year, we got a check for some money, and we're like, oh, I don't know what this is. It must be an overage for escrow or whatever. Let's save this money. Well, during that second year, we refinanced our house. And in process of refinancing, I guess, our title transferred to a new company, blah, blah, this, that, and the other. I don't know. But I got a notice in like June of this year, July of this year, from a law firm looking to collect on several thousand dollars of taxes not paid. And I'm freaking out because it's a big number. And the number has been multiplied by 35% because of fees, interest, and penalties. So I call <clears throat> this, this starts the process of calling the law firm, calling the county, calling the title company, calling the mortgage company. And I'm talking probably at 45 minutes to an hour and a half a clip, most of it on, the, on, on hold. And they end up telling me, you owe this money. The county says, well, in the meantime, where you're trying to figure this out with you think you don't owe this because you think they were supposed to pay it out of escrow, it doesn't matter. You owe us a payment plan right now. So I had to get on a payment plan with the with the county and the collection agency right away because I was already way late. So I had to start paying them $500 a month. Um, we paid some like of it. Like on top of your mortgage. On top of my mortgage. It's separate completely. We We put some of it down from the money that they sent us back that was for overage, we were able to put that on it, but it was still going to be a lot. 
And I'm freaking out about this because it's it's a constant back and forth. You're trying to prove to them I'm going through all this paperwork or whatever. They're telling me, no, we're not we're not responsible for paying it. I'm like, yeah, but you paid it last year. And they say, but when you refinance, we're not responsible for it anymore. I call the title company. They say after 10 back and forth, actually, I've pinpointed in the paperwork where it says they are still responsible for it. Here's these documents. I send them to the mortgage company back and forth and back and forth. No lie, dude. Probably 25, 30 hours total on the phone over two months. God, that's miserable. It was horrible. Then I is, pay- is there any option? Because this is a big pet peeve of mine. Like, is it just you didn't have time or would they just not let you like come in, sit down and like be oh, across there is from no, the person? There there's no away. office no. you can go. That, that's the thing that There's kills no me. Not here anyway. I just want so bad. Just, you know, just sit across a desk from a person and just figure all this shit out in an afternoon. Yeah, a couple hours. But even then, like our schedule makes it a little bit tough because it's not like a regular job where you can be like, hey, give me 30 minutes in the middle of the day. If I'm in my office, I'll make it up later. Yeah, but if you had to cut out at 3.30, get there by 4, you know. I probably could do that, but it makes it tough when you can't get on the phone, especially. Uh, and then I make my second payment to the County and about a week later, I get a thing back from Tarrant County that says, this is a overage. And I'm like, God damn it. You can't even apply my payments to the right year. Like, I think the first thing I think is they're trying to apply this to 2016, which isn't due yet. They don't Mm -hmm. even know how much it's going to be. So I'm like, Oh, they're trying to apply this to the wrong year. Can't even get this right. And I call and I'm like, this is supposed to be for 2015. I clearly said that to the lady who was taking the payment. And they're like, oh, uh, you don't know anything for 2015. I'm like, what do you mean? Well, then what were all of those letters about? And they're like, well, you made your first payment of a lump sum. It was like $1,000 that you know to start your payment plan. They're like, you made another payment of $500. And uh, then whenever we received this one, you had already made it to zero. I'm like, well, who paid the others, you know, this many thousand dollars? And she reads off like two payments to me that are from some like, you know, nondescript like payment company. It wasn't my mortgage company. It wasn't my title company. Bank of Freedom America. Logic title number. Yeah. And uh, Matrix. There's always a Matrix in there. And they're they're like, this is paid. It's paid in full. So I called the mortgage company because I kept thinking they would send me a check. And be like, we fucked this up. Here's the money you paid in escrow. We'll send it to you. They just paid it. They paid the mortgage company. They paid the county for me. The mortgage company did. After all that back and forth, mm-hmm. they opened like a formal investigation. They went through the paperwork I sent. And they actually paid like $5,000 on my property taxes uh, and struck my balance to zero. And then sent me back the money that I had paid into it. I fucking won. Like I nice. actually got all that money back. God damn. And I'd already accepted that I'd lost. So much like whenever you lose your keys and then you find them, you're like, on top of it. Look at me. (laughs) Yeah. I'm just killing it. You shouldn't feel good about that because you never should have lost your keys in the first place. I'd already accepted that I was in the hole, you know, 500 a month. And then they came through. It almost makes you want to blow 500 a month now. There's... I. Some of that's going to happen. <laughs> There's been at least a couple months of like, all right, next couple months, let's at least pretend like we're still paying this. And I was kind of planning on it. I just have never had anything like that actually work out for me. So all the money that you paid into the county, you got all of that back? Yeah. So like, like the, okay. 
Yeah. And and the the check that you received like whenever they liquidated your escrow account. Yes. That like you just, just keep put that? it back in savings. Like in our joint like because we had to take all of our money out of savings. Yeah, to, but I mean like you choose and put it back in savings. Like it's your money now. Everyone should have like an emergency fund or whatever they say. I have a party fund. Yeah. You might need an emergency fund in case you have to go get veneers like he has in the next <laughs> week or two. I would say that the history indicates that there's a no possibility of that. He's got a rich pH level in his mouth. Yeah, yeah man. <laughs> or mineral level. Or it's balanced. I, wanna hear, I really want to hear more about these minerals, but I'm just going to let you slide on. Talk to Dr. Aiton, dude. <laughs> on minerals. Uh, so anyways, I was so excited that I feel like I had to share that. Like That's fucking great. It That's was a good crazy win. how much... People like when the little guy wins. It was crazy just how much it took. Like, and every time you get on the phone, they're super adversarial. Like, they don't want to talk to you. And what I learned is anytime you call a place that you're trying to get anything done with, immediately ask for customer escalation services. Mm. Yeah. Because I don't need to go through the first three quarters, again, to reference, to get to game time. I know where the fucking ball is. Let's go up to the line. Get me up there. Get me to the fourth. Get me to the fucking Georgia Tennessee Hail Mary right now. And really, I go through most of this other bullshit in life, just hoping for those brief moments. Whenever I ask for the escalation officer, and they say no, and so then I realize they've given me full license to be an asshole until yeah. they give. Because I mean, you know, yeah. it's, like that's that's the only way to get where you're going. Like I can't nice them into you know what i mean like, like this, whenever the direct tv guy and they fell asked through for your, yes yes your roof yes direct tv guy fell through his that's roof. that's i just see dollar signs laying on my floor <laughs> if that happens free direct tv for life <laughs> i didn't get that good a deal but i was pretty happy by the end and you, you didn't get any deal out of getting a b and e pulled on you yeah that's true uh i mean i man i meant to and i don't even remember now I'm a bad person. Someone sent you a free Xbox? No, um, but... Because uh, like, he didn't take the Xbox. He just dinged it up. Yeah, it was fine. He just got some dirt on it or whatever. I don't even know how. Some dirt. Yeah. <laughs> Where the fuck is he? Dude. Is I saw... I mean, I can... It's still in there. There's it's he, dirty. He just brought... I mean, he like busted in the window and then like climbed in, like put his feet on the entertainment center or whatever. So he probably just had a bunch of mud on his shoes. If he had bled all over your Xbox, but it was still totally functional, would you have kept it? Oh, yeah. What if it was a blood drop on the power button? You had to push every time you wanted to turn it on. Well, I mean, one, you know you just turn it on from the controller or it can just voice activate. I don't. But two. Uh, hey, uh, <laughs> next-gen uh, video game I'll, console uh, guy. I'll live with it. I'll I wouldn't have known it. that. Um, he said, tell it to turn on. Did you catch that? <laughs> yeah, but, but he, yeah, yeah, you can say, the hey, voice. Cortana, turn Xbox on. <laughs> hey, what? Uh, it's Microsoft's version of Siri. It's named Cortana. Who That's, the fuck is Cortado? I didn't make it. I got a question. What happened to names like Jennifer and Brittany? It's <laughs> a great question. Dude. Why are we? Why is our Caucasianness just being assaulted by these multinationals? <laughs> I also want to know the same thing. I would definitely also watch a movie featuring Cortana and Siri, though. That sounds like it would get Cortana sounds like a really badass EDM producer. Yeah, it kind of does. <laughs> Cortana. Yeah, but uh, I mentioned <laughs> in that bad in radio desert. segment that uh, like my window had gotten broken. So if anyone knows anyone, and a P one fixed my window, no charge. That's that's amazing. Like, that's I, I wasn't even here. They just came in my backyard, popped in the new window. We're like, that's it. That's awesome. It was a, it was the best thing that's ever happened. I would say the best thing that's ever happened is whatever you were blessed with in your mouth, because you should definitely already be looking. 
This I is mean, my, I, would, it, I would brush more if, if there were an incentive for me to do so. That's Everyone true. responds <laughs> to incentives that are in front of them. But can you blessed. think about how much time you've saved by having that trait? Like, that's true. I mean, that's that's next level. I don't know. I mean, going by looking at life through just this prism, I should probably be a lot more rich than you. Like I've spent, like I've really <laughs> spent my time inefficiently. Like I've been given all these advantages and all I've been doing is, you know, like struggling to keep pace. Nah, you've just been hanging with Cortana. All right, let's play this audio real quick and then uh, we'll take a quick break. We have to do this every week. Um, so what happened last night is WikiLeaks said that they were going to, they were going to drop a fucking bombshell at like three o'clock Eastern AM. You should never say three o'clock if you mean AM. Yeah. Um, and they said it was going to be related to the election, but it wasn't like all about Hillary because, as we've discussed, WikiLeaks has somehow turned into uh, opposition research for the Republican Party, which is awesome. Um, but instead, Assange just sat there with his little pud in his hand and his little lame-o dyed hair uh, and his little rapey face and just kind of droned on for a couple hours. But Alex Jones droned on over it. Like he put it on in the background and just listened to him talk because he wanted to be there whenever so, Trump dropped or whenever they dropped the bomb on Hillary. So Infowars was live at three a.m. Yeah, and he kept. I, I watched I, about forty-five minutes of it. Forty-five uh, minutes, not live. Okay. They put it up. No, no, no. I get that. Yeah, but I, still, forty-five minutes of your life, and you got to spend all this time with toothbrushing. I know it's amazing, but you know what? I pulled the ultimate um, InfoWars fan move of maybe just hit the dumbbells in the living room while it's playing. Oh, God. Uh, yeah. I'll tell you what. You want to know as level. little about my life as possible <laughs> if you want to keep any level of that's, self-respect from me. That's next level shit right there. Yeah, that's what he wants because he's preparing me for the coming war. Um, so anyways, there's a couple clips from the last We've day or so. We've been wiki-rolled. That's what they're saying on Twitter. Wiki-rolled. Wiki We've been wiki-rolled. Wiki-rolled. So obviously, Assange had nothing. That's the point. Yeah. Instead of Blue bottom TVs, bitch. Tell me that. Move, bitch. Get, get out, out the way. way. <laughs> get out the way, bitch. Get out the way. Move, bitch. Get out the way. I mean, you get out the way, man. You know what? <laughs> like what? <laughs> I don't even know like where that came from. It's kind of more that is my ringtone. I know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know he knew that. No, I didn't either. And that lets you know that that song is dead. Yeah. Forever. Uh, here's a little rant. I will go to I will go to hell before I sit here and I watch this country and the world turned over to these savages. I'm done. I'm pissed, and I'm not putting up with it anymore. You Satanists want to sacrifice the West. You want to kill the beautiful goddess that is the West. You people are enemies, and we're gonna get your asses. And we know what you're up to, and we're coming for you. So I'm, I've had enough of these people. Okay, so I've been containing this for last week. That's why I've been in here sweating, getting pissed. Because I, I can't handle them anymore. So my question is, as we have uh, Brick here, huge WWE fan. That is the best wrestling promo I, I've ever heard cut. I know. So <laughs> my thing is, is as everybody, as like everybody's just beaten down by politics and shit, when are they going to have like the alt-right wrestler? Like the guy who's just basically yeah, Alex Jones. Yeah. Like he's just super mad about the government and about 
other people of other races and women and he's like fucking ranting about taxes all the time and shit and like regulations and they had rrs Irwin r shyster <laughs> in the 90s he I came out with a briefcase the briefcase yeah, yeah he was with the million dollar that. man the million dollar man yeah Irwin r shyster Irwin r shyster and now his son is wrestling in WWE now Bray Wyatt, which is kind of like the true detective backwoods Louisiana looking guy. Oh wow! Yeah, is he like a like detective looking? No, or like he's, he's like real full. He's like, like the, the guy out in the thing. The the the, the guy that was the Carcosa guy. Whatever. Yeah, 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 Yellow King. Ironically yeah. enough, his real his last name in the in the movie was Ledoux, which is my last name. So that's, that's right. My, I forgot about that. That's my tie into True Detective. So they need this character, uh, and they need it now a little bit more. These sociopaths and people—they always. This is the best. He's talking about Assange here, and he's talking about sociopaths. These sociopaths and people—they always gotta stab me in the back, like, and just say, "Oh, I didn't imply this was happening. I didn't set you up." No. By the way, if you thought you get it at three a.m., you were wrong. Ha 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 ha. He has. He has. He has just, he's really hurt himself. I mean, let me tell you, I know how the web works, how the world works. You have really done it, buddy boy. <laughs> I know how the web works, how the <laughs> world works. And Assange has really wrecked himself here. And uh, finally, Armin. Is this the death of WikiLeaks? I mean, are we? Are we break stuff every day. We I thought mean, we were about to we kiss this guy's ass. We thought we were about to have a, like a, a, a rebirth. We thought we were going to have like a new explosion of WikiLeaks. And now are we seeing the exact opposite? This is Hillary's October surprise. Come on, Julian Assange. Assange. Julian Assange trolling the world is Hillary's October surprise. Come on, Assange. Julian Assange Come is on. is a Hillary butt plug. No, that's mainly funny just because I think the term butt plug is underused. Yeah, yeah. I could not explain to you fully the functionality of it um, in a sentence or so. It looks like by the look on your face, you'd like to. Uh, Uh, Not in the public setting. But I like he kept going on about how he's like Hillary or uh, Assange cut a deal. He's now of the mind that the Hillary machine got to Assange and is like, I know you're going to release this shit November 9th, November 10th. That's because it's a much more interesting thing to say than Assange probably didn't have anything. Like, you can tell a bunch of people stayed up till 3 a.m. with you. It turns out we got duped. There was never anything here. That's right. You can't be one of these sociopaths who misleads people. Mm -hmm. Uh, Can I say butt plug on the air? I mean, I have a very permissive idea of what you can say on the air. I've... I've, I've, I study the FCC guidelines like the goddamn Torah, and they do not have a list of words that you can't say. Because interestingly enough, when the UT protests were happening a couple weeks ago, Dan said dildo like 10 times, mm-hmm. and Corby wouldn't say it once. I mean, I'm sure that like, I, it's, it's because- Can you say things- anal bead? Anal bead feels like it's closer to... Anal is scientific. Yeah. If, if anal you, is scientific, so it should be better than butt plug, but it feels harsher. If you read the guidelines governing obscenity, I really think you can make an argument for nearly goddamn anything. Um, and there's a line in there about, like, it has to appeal to the purient interest. Right. Um, and so if you're telling a news story and like anything involved in a news story, unless you're like making a childish joke off of the news story, uh, like if you're just describing the protest and you say dildo in the course of it, 
It doesn't like. There's no way you could argue that that use of dildo appeals to the purient interest. But like you can say, but even in the the te- the uh, context of a news story, don't you have to stay away from bodily fu- uh, functions? So like I mean, you could say like anal I know beads, that we're you could told that all the discharge. time. I know that like like our our bosses would certainly like you know why would they ever advise you to like really just go and chance it we don't care if we get fined like they care very much if they get fined yeah so it's it's a smart thing to like say you know like and there's definitely stuff in there about um you know that if it's related to like I forget the exact wording there but like stuff related to like the digestive system or bodily fluids or whatever um are like specifically mentioned but I think that there's still like qualifications and stuff like i don't know um i i really think that in most cases that a lot of stuff's more allowed by the law than we're currently taking advantage of but i can understand why we're not well we're taking advantage of it here because this is a podcast we can say butt plug and if you want to tweet tc and tell him how a butt plug works uh go ahead and do that and then he'll read it next week so it doesn't seem like he's explaining it from personal experience it's just, just like chicks. just chicks. <laughs> he's just <laughs> just chicks all right up next it's brick this is it living fathers with their kids that is some straight up cats in the cradle shit right there jesus christ i don't even have to do with you anymore and jackpot go follow him Maybe he'll rage kick a garbage can, remind you of your dad. Go. All right. I will give it a go. Hey, what you working on, buddy? Parenting, right? I don't know what to do, man. Mm. It's hard to communicate with them, yeah? Like you don't even recognize yourself in them. I don't. You're frustrated because he's a little clumsy, a little too artsy-fartsy, because he broke a blood vessel in his eye crying at my girl. What? No. He's legitimately a bad person. Like, my son is an awful human being. What? He set up a bunch of Facebook accounts to cyberbully me. Hey, this bitch is bothering me. You try to hear my dad twink? Jimmy, it turns out this kid sucks. You suck. What kind of adults go to a pin-your-own-pottery place anyway? Nasty-ass pedophiles. <laughs> oh, shit! <laughs> Don't go. Shut up, Greg. I wish you would call me dad. Well, I wish you sucked my dick. Yeah, there's no doubt the next time you're in Fort Worth, TC, you got to go to Taco Heads. Taco heads? Yeah. I'll trust Fort Worth just off the strength of uh, Salsa Limon. So they actually, that one that you went to, they actually, like, do you remember what the building looked like? I've been there, like, a bunch of times, my man. So they picked that building up and moved it. Really? Yeah. They are, that entire area is about to become insufferable. Actually, it kind of already is for going out, but there was still a couple decent places down there. Speaking of West 7th, which anybody... He's, he's even anywhere close over there knows that it's about to become a hellhole. But they're about to build like massive hotels and development shit. But that guy, like the building is like a real old school retro 50s. Like it looks kind of like how people in the 50s probably thought something was going to look futuristic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, he didn't want to lose the building. So he got a new spot over like off White Settlement, like maybe two miles away, a mile and a half away. 
and he moved it. That's awesome. And he moved in it. Like he got in the building when they put it on the truck and was like, I'm riding this thing over. Just making sure it's, I'm just going to see it through. <laughs> yeah. Like they Props took to the original bar. They took everything over there. Yeah. No, whenever like, uh, whenever we were recording at your house all the time, because I didn't have a house, um, I would eat there like after every single time. Oh, so dope. Breakfast and dinner. The other place, which I'm just going to go ahead and do some free advertising because fuck it. Uh, <laughs> I didn't realize until I tweeted about it last a couple weeks ago that there's not a lot of people that actually have uh, experienced Swiss pastry. Swiss pastry is maybe the best restaurant in Fort Worth, and it's like a diner. And they have 50 different types of pies and pastries waiting for you at all times. They have unbelievable breakfast. They have amazing Wagyu burgers. But they also have a sandwich they call the Fort Worth cheesesteak, which is a hoagie roll with like aged prime rib cut with uh hatch chili queso over it that sounds awesome i gotta tell you though i'm really yeah that's it i got a lot of concerns about hatch chilies and i understand that not everyone's ready to hear this but it's in my heart well there you can't hate on anything in a queso i mean i just i like it I know what kind of queso I'm getting whenever they include hatch chilies, and like it's not the best. I couldn't even do it. Really, tell you what it is, other than optimal. it's something Fort Worth related or uh, New Mexico related. I mean, you know, they're green Blue corn. They got a taste. It's not great. Yeah, this is where my food knowledge bows out. Okay, so um, as a reminder, we will be at uh, at Off the Record next Tuesday. Thank you to Central Track for setting that up for us. Uh, big thanks to YouSave for helping us with all of our service space. Go check them out at YouSave.it. YouSave.it. They're good people. And uh, they have a number of products that can make your audio consumption experience more enjoyable. So I think it's probably been like, it's been a long time, like maybe six, seven years ago that I was doing the top 10 and I used to oh, use... Oh, before yeah. we hop in. Yeah. We're not just all out that. of... Huh? Okay. You can just delete that. Yeah. And then um, in addition to YouSaveIt, uh, we've got some... Partners that we'd like to tell you about at the uh, Fairview Showdown Half Marathon and 5K. It is happening on October 8th. That is this Saturday. It's starting and finishing at the Fairview Town Hall. Runners can show up and support their favorite team with their choice of race swag. You can pick red or orange, of course, or they also have blue and yellow colors if you're not really uh, picking a side. But you kind of particular are, thing. Like you're kind of picking Harbaugh. If you pick, I mean, it's not blue and yellow in the same bib. But all those people in blue and yellow running are going to look like they're supporting Michigan's bid for an undefeated Big Ten championship. The yellow ones are LSU in solidarity. Ooh. Going through some tough times. That's over there. right. Tough one. And uh, it's my brother putting it on, so it better be the GD Notre Dame blue. It's, <laughs> it's Navy. But anyway, uh, the when we talk about race swag, we're talking about your, uh, your bib, your race shirt, and uh, the half marathon finisher medals. So yeah, uh, pick a side or don't and just run anyway. It's the Showdown Half Marathon produced by The Active Joe. Go to showdownhalf.com for more information and get registered. That is showdownhalf.com. Yeah, and the uh, ticket shows will be out at the Villages at Fairview on Friday. And somehow, Mike is off Thursday and Friday, games one and two of the Rangers playoffs. So I'll be out there Friday with Corbin. <laughs> doesn't, make, doesn't make any sense to me, but I'll be very happy to be there. Has your brother ever soiled himself in a race? You know, that's a question I've asked him after literally every race he's completed. So I can say with a straight face, I don't think so that much. 
as far as you know if we're talking about like 100 percent, like totally dry no leakage i doubt that anyone's maintained that little pee uh it's not that's not what i'm talking about because i don't know that i could do a little poo i mean, I I mean i'm just you letting you know yourself while you're running like you're evacuating it's the whole deal like no but if, if you're running 26 miles and you think that <laughs> anus is staying tight the whole time you're deluding yourself i'm saying if you open the laid law all the leaves are coming out <laughs> <laughs> no you can just it's just it's a bag of leaves that it's upright um but the just someone just... hasn't tied it real close <laughs> <laughs> The point is, I they're going so to be leaves on my I legs. I identified with that Louis C.K. bit because, yeah. uh, <laughs> like, he was saying, it like, it's a recent development for him, and he's twice my age. And yeah. I was like, "Yeah, I know exactly what he's talking about." You're like, oh wait, <laughs> he's fifty. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's uh, showdownhalf.com for more info and to get registered. Hopefully, you, no, the ad was done before we started be talking to, about that. Hopefully, you'll be able to keep. Don't it mention all, anything you'll else. You'll be able to keep ad. it all together during the showdown. <laughs> <laughs> don't shit yourself <laughs> is that the tag they requested I hope you guys i hope you guys liked having ads before because we aren't gonna have any more now no they're gonna sell out and they're gonna look to us and everyone's gonna be looking at each other like "Ooh, that guy looks like he's trying really hard not to let anything out because he heard the ad so um back when i was doing the top 10 i used to uh you know you get your instrumentals or whatever that you want to play as returns and under the segments and under the whatever and I don't even remember what, like, there was a number of, like, I had, like, a Dallas Instrumentals mixtape. I don't even remember. It was a lot of, like, DSR stuff, a lot of, like, Tum stuff, but it was just assorted Dallas Instrumentals that were, like, that sounded like Dallas produced songs. And I used to play them all the time. And uh, at one point, uh, our guest, Brick, he emailed me and I uh, was like, hey, I'm a big P1, and I listen to the top 10 because I listen at night. And like I manage a couple of these local artists, and if you ever want to come out to a show or whatever, and I don't even remember like where from there, but like we just got to know each other. And this dude has had—I'm just gonna go ahead and say it—one of the more interesting lives of anybody that I've ever encountered. <laughs> Maybe not always for better, <laughs> uh, but we probably should have done this a long time ago. But um, so you're from around here, right? Like you're from Louisville, is that yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Went to Flower Mound Marcus High School. Back in the uh when there was just Louisville and Flower Mound, right? When uh when the, did you graduate? Oh one, two thousand one. The Marauders had serious game in the late nineties. Yeah, we won St- was state. There a state. Yeah, there yeah. was a state title yeah. in there. Ryan Pace is probably involved. Uh Bears GM? Yeah, he went to Flower Mound, Marcus. He's not really? that much older than us. Yeah, he's in his I Wait. mean he's probably in his late thirties. Okay, it's probably a few Might years be mid thirties. I'm twenty three. Yeah, we all are. <laughs> uh, and so you, wh- when did you and how did you get involved first in like local music? Because it seems to me like most people at least start out. I've always been interested in people that are not involved in the like c- customer facing side of music, like the artist. Mm-hmm. Because it seems like most everybody who's interested in music is at least at one point convinced that they should be the artist. Well, uh, let's see. My start... I've, you know, in high school, uh, this was uh, the Napster era. Oh, yeah. Uh, and so I became, well, really before Napster, it was CD Warehouse. I would uh, go to the CD Warehouse and find, uh, you know, like I would hear the radio and, and, and like, oh, I like that song. And it would be like Big Mo or 
you know, some Texas stuff. So I became more interested in getting a sense of pride that the music I liked happened to be Texas music. So, you know, once Napster came around, I started listening or searching for like, you know, like Swisher House and DJ Screw and, and all that stuff. And I really had a sense of pride first in making some badass CDs that no one in high school at my high school would have with these mixes. And second, being able to tell everybody, you'll never find this anywhere. Fuck you. I've got the best shit. And so like that kind of morphed itself. I kind of, I wasn't like the music guy at school, but like I, people would reference me if they had a question about music. So that kind of turned into, I went down to call, I played football one year in a, a D2 school in Arkansas. Uh, that didn't work out. It was a Baptist college. I got kicked out of the dorm for having a girl in my room. Or kicked out of school for having a girl in my dorm. It happens. So right. after that, I I think Jeff Fisher called that seven and nine bullshit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when he cut a dude. I, I originated the seven and nine bullshit. <laughs> uh, so after that, I <laughs> I went down to Texas A and M to uh, hone my craft. And uh, Texas A and M, as we all know, is about forty five minutes an hour away from Houston. Uh, so and has a big rap scene in and of itself. It it's uh it's a musically inclined town. It's there's a lot of shit going. on. That was on. meant to be a slight. I don't know if it no, does. I just figured it didn't. There there's no rap scene, but it's a thoroughfare. Okay, like you you have a culture there because it's so close to Houston. Yeah, um, which was a good segue into how I discovered music because there was a independent record store in Bryan. That had it was like the mecca of everything I've ever been looking for on Napster. Every CD, every DJ screw tape. It was called the Shack, and I just became a guy that would just show up to the CD store and just be the annoying fan and be like, "Yo, what do you think Slim Thug's doing right now?" You know, <laughs> and just like, just you know, be super fan. And, and back then, everything was real tied in. So like, if you hung around at the store long enough. You'll see Paul Wall pull up and drop his CDs off. You'll see Slim Thug pull up and drop his CDs off. And because they were like independently pushing yeah, everything. Yeah, everything was independent. Was and there was a distribution company. I think it was called Southwest Wholesale, which is, uh, if anybody's familiar with the music uh, record selling business, independent distributors played a huge part uh, before the internet took over. And so I just kind of got interested in that scene. Um befriended the owners of the CD store and basically they were like, if you're going to fucking be here, we might as well pay you to work at the CD store. And then so I you know, met a few guys and a couple of guys I met were rappers like Paul Wall and Paul Wall is just a real good human uh, and just was kind of inviting me, everything he had going. So I'd wind up going to Houston a lot to go to like Paul Wall's events, go to his shows with him, go to like, he used to have clubs and all that and I would just kind of hang out with him. Well, at the same time, a group from Dallas, DSR, was budding. And uh, I remember the CD owners like, hey, you'll like these guys. They're from Dallas. Well, I knew of all of them previously kind of going into Dallas. And, you know, Tum Tum was, you know, not only a rap artist, but he was known in Dallas and in that scene. And we're the same age, so we knew the same people, yada, yada. Uh, so I'm like, yeah, these guys are legit. So I started becoming a real big proponent of Dallas rap in Houston. And really pushing it forward and all that. And like I said, these guys would pull up by themselves to sell their tapes or whatever. So befriended Tom and DSR. Uh, 
just always kept in contact and just kind of wiggled my way in, you know, started, ended up becoming a part owner of the CD store eventually, like a, three of us owned it, uh, started traveling a whole lot, you know, doing all that type of stuff with Paul and eventually Tom, Slim, Slim Thug's brother, Ray Face was the guy, the first guy that ever paid me a rap, rap money, you know, like gave me money for rap shit. So I just kind of had that here. Um, I was I was actually signed as a potential artist at one time just because someone was like, you're white <laughs> and you, you know, like this shit. So we're going to make some money off of you. But I'm not a good rapper. So <laughs> it didn't work out too well. It hasn't stopped everyone. Yeah. Right. But- now, these days I could have been, you know, I could have been Lil Yachty. Yeah. Who knows? But yeah, I don't. I'm. I don't totally get that entire it's it's brand, but I also don't want to be old man. That's like some uh, people call it mumble rap. Yeah, I call it circle of friends rap. If you remember in high school, that circle of friends was kind of like the alternative classroom that weren't for people that were just kind of like couldn't be in the regular classes. <laughs> You know, so like uh, I would call it CM. We CM, would call it CM. There you go, CM Con- yeah, yeah, circle yeah, yeah. of friends. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so a couple things along the way, uh, and I, we could probably talk about this forever. But it has always been weird to me that part of like Dallas's problem was Houston, but part of its benefit was Houston also because like exactly. I can't really think of any other states that have like two markets even though they are four hours away from each other that were like really huge at the same time. And it was almost like Houston being that big at the same time. You know, there were some connections to be made by, by being in the same state, but at the same time, like, I don't know that it was ever going to like totally happen for Dallas while it was still happening for Houston. You know what I mean? Like it was two different worlds. Uh, Houston. The thing is, is Dallas across all boards uh, from radio to clothing to music to anything is a is a a level consumer market. Um, that's something Houston isn't. So some of your more famous Houston artists like Chameleon Air, like UGK, Pimp C. There's several interviews with UGK, you know, in the '90s, saying Dallas is their best town. They love Dallas. You hear that a lot from artists from Houston in the South. That they fuck with Dallas because it's getting gobbled up so much here. Houston was also back in the day notorious for people who do shows. People artists used to hate going to Houston to perform because they say, quote, they just stare at you. Yeah. Which kind of fits into the Houston culture, nomenclature. You know, like that's you know, they're slowed down, they're cool, they're chilling. Dallas were a little bit more rambunctious. It's kinda like the I twenty connection between Dallas and Atlanta. You know, I ten is kind of more like Louisiana, New Orleans, and Houston. So, if you follow those highways, it's the same type of culture up here from Atlanta to Dallas, and it's the same type of culture down there from New Orleans. You know, maybe even go down to Miami a little bit to Houston. So it's a just it's a different different vibe, and Dallas will forever, as far as rap music, especially Texas rap music goes, will be little brother to Houston. Yeah, just because of the phenomenal success they have and still have, they have infrastructure in place. They have record labels that are based out of Houston, like Rap a Lot and all that. And so it was always Dallas will always be viewed as little brother. Now, sometimes little brother can be better than the older sibling, but it's still little brother. And so, then uh, when you were at A and M, 
like how much time did you spend there a couple years a year uh i was there from like oh two to oh five um so that was uh what's my man's name quarterback reggie mcneil you were it's my roommate yeah yeah that's, that's what i was really trying. yeah, yeah. it's my roommate reggie was my roommate uh that was a pretty wild time <laughs> <laughs> having a heisman candidate as your roommate so that how was that fun. like how'd you meet him was he just assigned to you just or? like some stepbrother shit we're like you're cool you're cool let's go fuck bitches yeah. <laughs> it was kind of like one of those things i had a friend from dallas that played for the aggie football team uh, so I kind of hung with some of the football players. Me and Reggie just got real cool. We liked the same type of stuff. Hint, hint, wink, wink. <laughs> so uh, we just kind of we hit it off. We were real cool. I had a house. I had a three-bedroom house. He was looking to get out of his, uh, I guess, sports dorm. Mm-hmm. Now their dorm is probably the best facility in the world down there. But back then it was kind of like, you know, still dorm. Yeah. So, you know, him being the star quarterback, they let him stay at the house. Probably wasn't the best thing for him. <laughs> but <laughs> like I've heard he was pretty Yeah, you know. He those couple years, like it blew up real fast on him. Yeah, yeah. Well, on us. Uh, <laughs> it, it, life came at you fast those came those I mean, few years. There was a there's a thing, right, when he was the Bengals where he's like puking out a window at a traffic stop, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 He Seems got in trouble. Were you in the car there? No, uh, by the time he went to the Bengals, uh, I had moved back to Dallas. He had, uh, you know, got his shit together to get drafted, per se. And I had left College Station by the time. His last year in college, I was not in College Station. Do you have a uh, a craziest Reggie McNeil story that springs to mind? Oh, we were at a party at a trailer in College Station, a trailer park. I can't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> and... um. The one of the guy, I guess a girl that I had talked to was there and she was like, Oh, there's him. I don't want him here. So the big, you know, Captain Savaho comes over. You're not a, anybody that's with you's gotta leave. Well, I was with like fifteen football players. So they took it upon themselves to say choice words about the football program and the members of the program. Well, long story short. Reggie ended up getting extremely pissed off. It was kind of a deal where we're just kind of like, all right, fuck you, and we leave. But Reggie ended up taking it to the next level, called literally everybody on the football team to pull up to this party, and it was like Braveheart. <laughs> it was like tiki torches were getting swung. And I seen, um, I seen a guy, I forgot his name. He played for the Panthers for a couple of years. He was the kick returner. He uppercut it. Like some guy was standing like on – uh, the patio, and he ran and jumped and like Super Mario uppercutted him, and the so guy like the Mortal Kombat, yeah, like, and he like Western movie style tumbled <laughs> off the patio onto the ground. It was pretty crazy. That was real fun. Uh, Good times. So when you got back up here, how did you? I mean, I guess you already knew Tom. Yeah, yeah. And that was probably like the first big, like move that you had. Yeah. Um. At that time, Tom had a really hot song called Caprice Music. Uh, he had a lot of things going for him. He was um, where's he from? He's from he's from Lancaster. Okay. Uh, he went to Lancaster High School. If I'm right, I, I might be wrong on that. But uh, Desoto, Lancaster, that yeah. area. Um, so we just I'm kind of like, hey, I'm in Dallas. At that time, they were bobbing and weaving. All my friends were with Tom. Were running with Tom. 
Um, so, you know, we, you know, smoke together, chill, yada, yada, yada. And um, I just kind of like, you know, this was like two years down the road from hanging out with him. I'm just kind of like, I kind of want to do this music shit for real, you know, like for real, for real. He was like, all right, uh, be my road manager. And so his manager was named Mike Clark, who's Michael 5000 Watts, DJ, the creator of Swisher House. Uh, so he managed my, uh, Michael Watts and Tom Tom, his name was Mike Clark. Uh, so Tom introduced me to Mike and was kind of like, this is my boy. He wants to help you with this shit. So Mike kind of taught me all of the ropes as far as being on the road with the artist, what to do, how to do it, when to do it, how to talk to the promoters, how to get the money and all that stuff. So I kind of learned trial by fire, um, you know, just going on the road with Tom you know, dealing with promoters for the good and bad um, and everything that comes with that. Like the logistics? Yeah, getting there. Where you're staying? All that, Like yeah. running the budget? All How do you stuff. get the money? You uh, basically, how, how artists get paid, especially at this level where Tom was at, you get half up front when you book the show so they can start promoting it. And then you get half when you get there. And so you you call them, hey, I'm here, meet me at the hotel, and give us our money, or we're not going to perform tonight type shit. And, and a lot of these promoters are not exactly the most stand-up businessmen. Sure. So you have to be quite aggressive. Yeah. And uh, so you got to learn a good way to say, hey, bitch, where the fuck is my money, without saying, hey, bitch, where the fuck is my money? So and what 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 did you settle on? You just kind of been like, hey, we're here. Well, there's actually a term for it that I, that I didn't know for a real long time. It's called settle up. Okay. Do you want to settle yeah, up? Yeah. And so I, I was always like, if there was only a term, <laughs> you know, that means give me my money. And so like I would just kind of be like, you want to meet for that? Like it was like a drug deal or something. Yeah. Like when are you going to give me that? Like you got that for me, you know, and all that. And then like years down the road, I finally figured out there's a term. It's called settle up. It made things a whole lot easier. To say, do you want to settle up? So, but yeah, it's just, you know, it, it was, it's, Texas is unique. Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas, the region around Texas is real unique in the fact that these independent circuits are still thriving as far as, you know, going to a club in Odessa or Lubbock, Lubbock yeah. you know, stuff like that where you can go, like Tom at that time was making 5000 a show. There's a ton of colleges too. College, you know, frat party. And that's one thing we noticed. All these frat parties, like, we're like, why every time we pull up to a frat party, everyone's wearing jerseys? And like, come to find out is these frats hire rappers for their fried chicken and jersey parties. Like their black party. Yeah, like yeah. their pimps and hoes oh, party or yeah. whatever, shit like that. You're like, I don't care. Give me my yeah. money. So we're like, and, and they, they, and frats are real easy to deal with because they'll be like, hey, we've got 10 grand. How much are you? And I'm like, ah, good for you because we're 9,800. <laughs> <laughs> so like, they're just not, they're not business. Man, right. right. All right. So, th- th- I mean, we didn't really care. But actually, one of my most memorable, what I really had a fun time was in Lubbock. It was this big ass outdoor open area club. And it was just, you know, they it was us and Little Flip, and we just were just got toasted. Cops were like twenty yards away on the other side of the fence, and we're just getting lit. And you know, went and performed. It was a great show. There was like two thousand frat bros there, and frat sisses there, sororities. It was, it was, it's a, it was kind of like the the what's that movie, Frank the Tank, old school. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of like that a little bit. So you know, I just had a lot of fun with Tom. He's a great friend to this day. 
I for where I'm at now uh, in my life with music, I there's not anything I don't accomplish where I don't call Tom and thank him for this life he gave me. Uh, he's just a real genuine dude, and you know, opened his book to me, and you know, just sent me off on my trajectory. So, like you would discuss before, like a tour or before, like a jaunt out, what percentage of whatever you're getting, or is it like he flat fee you, whatever you it's, just it's get? It's an industry of, standard. Yeah. yeah, it's an industry standard. It's uh, management usually gets around like fifteen to twenty percent of the of the guarantee. Uh, you know, you got to split that with the manager, and then I was in a road management position at the time, so. You know, my percentage was like seven half to ten percent yeah. of the take home. You know, you do three or four shows a weekend. Thursday, you know, Tom was a, the type of artist that was booked Thursday, sometimes Wednesday through Sunday every week. You know, we're doing fifteen, sixteen shows a month at five grand a pop. So we're we're, we're cool. Yeah, it's it's fun. You know, and it was uh, probably a pretty weird life. It's random. Yeah, it's very random. You know. Uh, you meet some characters, that's for sure. Were your parents always like, "What are you doing?" Or were they kind of like, at some uh, point, were they like, "This actually seems like something you might be good at, and that you're like pretty passionate about?" Or whatever. They were like, "Why are you doing this?" I understand, kind of, but I wish you weren't doing this. And then when I got with Wiz and everybody, then they're like, "All right, we know who Wiz is, so you must be doing something right." And how did that happen? Through through Tom. Okay. Um, when Tom had his record Caprice music, like in 0506, Wiz had a record called Say Yeah, which is a sample from uh, Alice DJ song. So it was like a real upbeat techno type of song. What is that off of? Oh, God. Because I remember the first time. I remember there was early Wiz Khalifa. Yeah, it was, when he was like, early. And I think there might even have been a label behind that. Yeah, like the Warner early, Brothers. Yeah, and yeah. I was like, oh, this is kind of corny. I'm not really yeah, into this. Yeah, it was kind of happy, yeah, upbeat. Yeah, high school sort of sounded. Yeah, but then like the yeah. first time I ever heard Kush and OJ. That, that was his I remember uh, being like, Coleman. That was his I breakthrough. I fucking yeah. never heard anything like this yeah. before. And, and I still to this day listen to that a lot and love it. It's groundbreaking. I don't think people give Wiz a lot of uh, credit for the things he did outside of the music. First of all, he changed style. Everybody yeah, started yeah. wearing Chuck Taylors and cargo shorts T- and camouflage. He's guy. You know, T- like sweat, kind of punk rock looking. Yeah, yeah. sweatshirts with camo shorts. Yeah. He did all of that. Even to this day now, he kind of birthed the whole dad hat movement you yeah know? he was the first one to really do the the the, the flat bill dad hats and so although i think i might have heard like fl- was those flight school yeah i think it was that? flight school. you had like dealer like right no the deal, the, flight school the currency yeah uh, how fly yeah yeah so like uh he was on roads on the road the same time we were on the road doing caprice music he was doing promo for the say yeah and i guess it was flight school or dealer no dealer one of those tapes he had out, and what these labels and booking agents do is they send you on these car show circuits, you know, like the Dub Car Show, the Monster Energy Car Show, all these huge, gigantic car shows nationwide that happen in the springtime during you know car show season and all that, and they're huge monster bills. They're like you know like fifteen rap artists on the bill. So we would interact, you know, with loved good weed. We loved good weed. <laughs> And so, like, tie that binds. Yeah. So we were like, you know, you're cool. We're cool. Let's be cool together. I really think that people who are nervous about the degree to which our country uses drugs don't understand. Just there's nothing else I do. Uh, it's not true, but it's it's just so easy to be like, oh, 
we both smoke weed. Yeah. Like that's yeah. Then, yeah. then there's no more like then you're automatically into a part where okay, now we're getting to know each other. Exactly. Like, yeah. I don't know. I I, I totally yeah. agree. Me too. I mean, I guess like if I see, I don't. I, there's there's no time wherever I see like a Notre Dame fan. I'm like, hey, let's learn about each other's let's lives. Let's go eat dinner. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's learn about each other. <laughs> and alcohol is so prevalent that there might be something to like if you meet someone who's into like the same. This sounds really lame, but if you're into like local craft or something, you're like, oh, you know about this? Like that's yeah. But even that to, at this point is obviously, um, it's a subculture past. Yeah, it's a culture like uh, tie-in, but with with pot still being illegal it's uh kind of always stayed in this like underground spot where it's like oh this is an identifier that works for me i think it ties you to a bond instantly because you're like hey you're taking a risk legally to hang out with me (laughs) you know we're taking risks together so that kind of closens the bond i think quicker than something else so were you is is any part of your job description or would i be crazy to think that part of your job description was to uh like procure said materials maybe not procure as much as filter the ones we wanted because you have a uh, just people coming at you mm-hmm. and so you kind of like that's some bullshit that's some good shit that's some bullshit you with the good shit Come, let's let's go talk. And is this from uh you know trying it extensively, or do you feel like you got a good eye oh, for it? No, I, w- I won't even have to open the bag. Like I'm, it's quite a talent. I'm, I've got an MBA in identifying <laughs> weed. So it, it, I mean, it's just we know we, the type we want, and so mm-hmm. it varies from different people. Um, and that's another thing that tied us and Wiz together is that we like the same type of weed. We like the punch you in the face, smell the room up possibly fall asleep while driving type weed <laughs> and so that would tie us all together some people like this uppity stuff you know and all that type i'm of uppity stuff. guy yeah i'm, I'm into uh, the uppity i'm sativa guy i'm suplex off the top rope into the crowd <laughs> type weed. Like, by the way i looked it up and uh the place <laughs> where justin and i are staying in seattle whenever we go there next month is a less than half a mile walk from urban legends that's so excited. The, uh, Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah. Uh, Where he got photographed. Not yeah. shop, but just dispensary. Do you like oysters? Uh, I mean, I'm I'm allergic to shellfish. Yeah, he just found Fuck. out like a year ago he was allergic Fuck, to man. shellfish. It's I love seafood, rough. especially oysters. Seattle, well, I mean, g- in general, Seattle has some, some of the best food in the world. Yeah, I, I was like... One of my last big uh, forays into the shellfish world before <laughs> coming down with this. Uh, we went to Seattle a couple of years ago, and man, I fucking tore it up. Yeah, I yeah. Uh, Brenda's. You, did you ever end up going to Brenda's in San Francisco? I've never I've been sent to San like Francisco. ten people there on your recommendation. Yes, the, one of my favorite. Re- I found another one too a couple of years ago. Little Skillet in San Francisco. Yeah, it's it's across the street. What's the name of the what's the ba- is it the ba- yeah, what's the name of the baseball park in San Francisco? Pac Bell? No, what do they call it AT&T. now? AT&T. AT&T. Yeah, okay, yeah. in that area. Not Pac Bell. It's And it's right across the be. street. Oh. And it's in a real like indigent area too actually. Nice. Little skillet. Me and me and Currency were walking there and like <laughs> We're walking down the like we gotta try like currency just eats burgers like twenty four hours a day like it kind of strikes me as that type of guy like, let's just get a burger so I was like we're on tour together I'm like I'm not eating another burger we're going to Little Skillet this place looks really good on Yelp and so we went there and we're walking down the street it's like on Fifth or something like that and we come up to an intersection and on, and and San Francisco for those who don't know is 
is is infested, for lack of better words, with homelessness. There's homeless. It's it's yeah. passe. It's everywhere, and so we walk up on an intersection. And there's a habitat on the side of the sh- sidewalk, and first you see like a cake destroyed, <laughs> and then you see like a human shit, <laughs> and then you see the guy passed out. With cake and shit on him. Oh, God. <laughs> so the whole process. Yeah, so Kurt's like, ah, I'm going back to the hotel. Pick me something up. So I went and ate a little skillet, and it was great. It beat Brenda's out, but Brenda's is phenomenal. So uh, when you first, like, when you meet Wiz through Tom, how long before you're, like, actually working with him? And I know you were, like, tour managing for him, right? Or some, like, uh, some capacity. I was of, part of his uh, team. They're probably, for a tour that big, it takes way more than one or two people. Yeah, I don't think Wiz would ever trust me with his direct management. Because, <laughs> I mean, he's dealing with, like... Oh, uh, he's, he's he's doing amphitheaters. He's yeah. doing 20,000, 30,000 people. There's a huge label behind yeah, it. And, yeah, it's all... I mean, actually, his road manager used to road manage for Selena Gomez. I think he did stuff for Blink-182. Like, he's, like, all-star. Like, yeah the Dirk of road managers. Like, and so he's been doing his, he's a great dude. He knows it like the back of his hand, knows how to do all this stuff. I wouldn't have those skills at all. Uh, with Wiz, I was more helping his management of his independent label, which is Tether Gang Entertainment. Yeah. And through that process, I discovered that I really don't like management. Like, I don't like being the manager. I don't like doing this. And so I kind of came to him like, is there like another position I can do because I'm not, I don't want to be responsible <laughs> when it goes bad for your, for your guys. And it was like Chevy woods and, and guys that I liked listening to. And I just didn't want to fuck their shit up basically. And, and I knew that I was more of a person that needs a manager than, than, than can manage at that level. And uh, so we kind of eased into a role that we dubbed creative direction. And what that kind of does is is I just kind of help where it is on the creative side, whether it be building albums or um, doing things like we're working on a uh, documentary-style movie for his next tour where we kind of take a, you know, there's like, iTunes has a million of them, but they're like old, they were real popular in the 80s uh, tour documentaries. Yeah, And for so sure. we want to kind of bring that back. So that's what we're kind of working on now. But it was, I mean, we were friends first. Me and Wiz, me, Wiz, and Currency, and Tom were friends for years before we got to that next level of, like, what do you want to do? Yeah. Um, so, so what does management entail? Uh, a, a manager-manager is going to be the your, your uh, consigliere. He's going to be your spokesperson in business settings. He's going to be the fall guy <laughs> if things go wrong. Uh, he's pretty much responsible for everything but rapping. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I didn't want to be that. Like it was just my, as we discussed before, like my attitude was just too bad. You know. Like, I mean, I think you're, you're booking. You're actually booking shows. And you're, you're dealing with a booking agent. Okay. And booking agents, there's and some good ones. You're dealing with ones. a publicist. Yeah, you're, you're dealing, dealing with, with these people. Yeah. And some of Make them sure are good. Gets, some of them are bad. Yeah. You know. And so, it's just it's it's the utter. Uh, most uses of the word management it's 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 management and uh well at least you know yourself well enough to be like hey i only brush my teeth once a day so (laughs) i don't think i should be a manager (laughs) i'm not managing myself so but you probably got to go i mean you were on the road for if what felt like at least a couple of like really long stints. yeah uh well uh when wiz was going on tour 
I was running with an artist named Smoke Dizza from Harlem. Uh, me and him are the best of friends, and he needed road management for when he went on tour with Wiz in 2012. And that was, you know, big tour bus tours. It was Smokers Lounge? Under the Influence Tour. Oh, Under the Influence, Under the Influence, yeah. it was... Uh, it might have been 2013. I definitely it, saw him a couple times yeah. around that era. It was like us, ASAP Rocky, yeah. um, Trinidad James, uh, B.O.B. And, yeah. and so that's when... People don't know, man. Those old B.O.B., before the albums. He used to talk about getting bangers. fucked up, too. Like, there was some good yeah. shit on there. It was, yeah. it was Before the time. Flat Earth stuff. Before the Flat Earth stuff. <laughs> Before the There was like Southern-sounding, like T.I. almost-sounding. Yeah. Like, and he's been around for a minute, too. Yeah. really, And he would play everything himself, too, which is always like a super quick draw for me. Like, yeah. if a dude raps and plays keyboards and drums, drum samples or whatever. But anyways. Um, the guy that manages B.O.B. is like kind of like a forefather of southern rap his name is tj chapman he ran a dj pool called tj's djs and they used to have a huge conference uh huge from atlanta uh tastemaker yeah from atlanta so that's kind of where bob got his start tj chapman tj chapman's like you know might not be on mount rushmore but he's you know mentioned in the bible a couple (laughs) times of southern rap there's a book yeah uh so I almost feel like asking the same thing about Reggie McNeil. Like, do you have any uh, tour stories that you feel like we need to hear? Oh, God. And I don't want to just totally destroy anybody's spot. but Right. Um, I mean, you, did you ever, like, leave the country? Yeah. I mean, you know, Europe is a big thing. Go to European tours. That's nuts. Um, that wasn't too fun because you're so tired and you never get rest. Yeah. And food is always ass. And... Fans in Europe are super fans. They're the stay outside of your hotel, 24 hours a day type fans. Stuff that's kind of like frowned upon as as an American ego would put into play. Your fans here don't really do this anymore, maybe like in the 80s or 90s. But the European fan is a psychopath. And we have, and Europe's great. I love Europe. But the European rap fan is a psychopath. So it just makes things hard. Everything's like a breach of security at all times in europe um so it was just you know it's just you just kind of in europe you're just trying to get sleep yeah Yeah, that's pretty much what you're doing in europe the venues are smaller uh it's more of a uh it's like the it's like a promo run type feel yeah it's not really you know huge or whatever but um you know america (laughs) is a whole different story is you know every night there's a story I'm trying to rack my brain to think of something specific. Um, Do people like drink every night? I've um, always thought like that shit would get super. I it's mean, it's I debaucherous, like, but it's it's not like you need to go to rehab. Yeah, it's not. It's like we have a reason. We've made a million dollars tonight, so we've got a reason to party every night for good reason. You know, it's a successful tour. We made a million fucking bucks. Let's fucking bring some girls back here and have fun. And it's it's not like, uh, what's the word? Not like sexist. We're not like you know, take your pants off when you get in the door. You know, it's just all it's just it's positive, free in a in a secured environment. And so, it's just fun. It's just <laughs> fucking fun, man. And so you you know, and the group I'm with, you know, we're not big druggies. There's not like coke on the table and a meth room or whatever the fuck. It's it's gin and weed. Yeah. And that's pretty much and water and alkaline water and and turkey meatballs. 
But it, it's just I love turkey meatballs. Yeah, it's just you know you it's wouldn't. it's a good positive environment. We're all real close friends. All, all of I'm the only guy from Texas on Wiz's team. Everybody else on his team are people he grew up with since like middle school. Yeah. So it's a family type environment. His dad will be back there. His mom will be back there, and it's just like you know, it's it's just it's good vibes. It's always good vibes. So that's like you consider that your job. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. is that part of how you got like? Because I know you've thrown some shows, right? But I don't know if that's like something you want to do as like a main hustle. No, it's because mainly because the promoter is the <clears throat> the 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 aura of a promoter is like a cheese dick. <laughs> So like I, I don't want to sorry promoters, but like I don't want to be because like I've dealt with many promoters, you know, and they're slickster types. I don't want to be labeled as a promoter because I I feel like I, I I do more, I offer more, I'm more capable than to be pigeonholed into that term. But I started doing the shows because I really was interested in the breakdown. I was interested in 500 people equals thirty thousand dollars. And doing this equals that. I was interested in the numbers game side of it. And a part of me was like, I can do this better than these guys. Like, I've got personal relationship with these artists. So I know they're they're going to promote it. It's going to be organic. Um, and it's going to, that will correlate to a unique fan experience because the artists are going to want to be there as much as the fans are. And they're doing it for me. You know, I'm the tie-in. And yeah. So you know, it's a good branding opportunity for my next ventures. What I want to do gets my brand out there, um, and it's it's good networking as far as the industry concerned because you meet, you know, booking agents that are you know, their roster is cr- like Wiz's booking agent is William Morris Endeavors. William Morris Endeavors is one of the biggest. I mean, yeah. like Dion's and I think is Michael Strahan. You know, it's it's crazy. So. It's you just, end up meeting people there, and like they end up knowing that you can handle right, this or that. Exactly, so. and they become they like dealing with you if you're a personable. Per, if you've got something these other guys don't have, and you got your shit together, they end up calling on you for references, asking about somebody, you know, stuff like that. So it just it's a network opportunity, and and uh, I like doing. I enjoy creative marketing. I enjoy different things that. You know, dropping this lure in the lake, see if they bite. You know, I like I like experimentation on that type of stuff. So, um, to me, it's easy. It's a little stressful, but it's easy. Yeah. Um, I don't want to, you know, be the next Live Nation or anything, but it's an interest of mine, and so I have the the resources to to act on it. So it's pretty cool. I like it. So whenever you're on a tour bus tour, like, do you is this a I always wonder if they actually how often they stay on the tour bus. You're not sleeping on the tour bus oh, yeah. most of the time, right? Yeah. All right, you are. Oh yeah. There's um, like there's enough beds for everyone. There's twelve beds. There's twelve beds yeah. on the bus, like yeah. on one bus, or you got a bunch of buses. Wiz goes with like three or four buses. Okay, so we're talking like three beds a bus. Yeah, no, no, twelve beds a bus with three. Okay, buses. okay. So, um, how do you fit twelve beds? They're stacked up like. Sure. <laughs> like jail. <laughs> no, but it, they're comfortable beds. They're like uh, full-size beds. Um, and they're stacked on each other like bunk style, three three high. Okay. So you've got two rows, three and three, uh, 12. And then the back is usually a lounge area or on Wiz's bus. The lounge area is a queen-size bed for him. Are they understanding about people who snore in that situation? Because I really can't help it, man. Honestly, I'm a snorer and no one's ever complained. That's good. So, That's a relief. 
And like I've had girls sleeping next to me go to another bedroom because I snore. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, I've never the biggest thing about hygiene on bus is feet. Okay. Yeah. The smell of feet. I sure. can see that because that's like the first thing my wife says to me every day. Yeah. Whenever I'm like even in the room. Yeah. And I'm not like dirty. There's actually a rule on most buses where the thermostat, the air conditioner in the back, like you've got two parts of the bus. The front part, which is the bench seating, the lounge, you know, everything is up there. And then the back is the sleeping quarters. There's mostly, in most buses I've been on, there's a rule where you cannot change the air conditioning in the back to go more than 65 degrees because that kills germs. It's always ass cold back there because it kills germs, which I'm totally for like yeah, I'm, yeah. i'll get an extra blanket i'm cool yeah. sleeping in 65 so, is awesome yeah so you know it's stuff like that um but everybody if you've done these like you can kind of pinpoint who hasn't been on tour because their hygiene <laughs> you know like they might not have it down yet mm-hmm. like on wiz's tour how his how he does it is um you only get a hotel room on off days Okay. So we're pulling up to the venue. We're showering in the venue. We're dressing in the venue. They got showers like it. Mm-hmm. A- yeah, it's like a locker room type situation. Okay. Most venues are like places around here. Yeah, like Jexa. They got showers. All right. Uh, dressing rooms, green rooms, all that type of stuff. Didn't but what know. about like something like Nokia? Yeah, they got yeah. I think I yeah. figured that level is probably the cutoff for even Bomb Factory has well even they're a great venue, top notch, but. <laughs> Like they have showers, they even have a laundry room. That kind of surprises me. I mean, they're big, but I guess they're actually probably about the same size as Nokia. Yeah, I think it's almost exactly. Shittiest green room in Dallas is a profit bar. That doesn't surprise anybody. Like a storage closet. (laughs) That doesn't surprise anybody. Of course it is. Uh, So you're throwing a show with Liz? Yeah, yeah, we're doing. um, It's my concert series called Bricks Block Party. Uh, Something I started about this time last year. Um, Ironically enough, mentioning them, we did it at the profit bar. Uh, last year, I was there. Yeah, you were there. I met a machine there, and I think Soroy was there too. He you? was. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we did it there, and it was quite successful, if I do say so myself. Um, and then I took it to South by Southwest, and we did a showcase down there. Uh, and then um, we revisited it. Every time I do a show from now on, it's going to be called Bricks Block Party. That's the brand, Bricks Block Party, and. Um, so I've worked my way up to, I Wiz. If I asked Wiz directly, he would be like, "Hell yeah, let's do it." But Wiz's manager Will was kind of like, "Fuck you, we're not doing this because you're insane." And I had to kind of prove my worth to him through about a year's worth of good shows and conduct, <laughs> and that like I wasn't gonna like shit the bed on his you know prize possession Wiz, and so, um. He kind of like it took about two months to really convince. I had to like it was almost like asking your parents for the car on Friday night in high school. Like I had to give like a PowerPoint presentation of like how I won't fuck this up. Point A, you know, and like like shit like that. So it took a little convincing, but then he was like, "All right, you heard it. Like your ass is on the line. Like you're fucking done if you don't do this." Which like. I know how he is. He just wants to make sure yeah. it's not messed up. And I was confident in my abilities, my team. I've got you know the bomb factory behind me, and you um, got a Friday night and a Friday night in Deep Ellum. Like you, you could, you could have Barney up there, <laughs> and you would get two thousand people. 
Friday Night Wiz at the Bomb Factory in the fall is... That's a shoe-in. Yeah. I'd have to try to fuck that up, I feel like. What day is it? Friday, November 18th. Oh, fuck. So it's like that... You gone that weekend? That's when I'm in Seattle. Oh, well. I'll be there. I was previously I not going Wiz to Khalifa. be uh, around, but we'll I will FaceTime be. you. <laughs> yeah, we'll FaceTime Through your you. Xbox. Uh, through Cortana. <laughs> through yeah, Cortana. Just, just say, hey, Cortana, go to Skype. <laughs> uh, so we don't have to spend a ton of time on this, but... Um, You've had some wild legal stories. Oh, man. And I imagine some of it probably just comes from, like, being around Reefer a lot. Yeah. I mean. Some self-inflicted. Like, what do you mean? Trying to fight the man. Yeah. The man will always win. Yeah. That's Um, uh, that's a lesson that I suppose you learn a lot quicker if you're around Reefer all the time. So, like, I had caught a pretty legitimate case, um, and I got put on probation for it in 2011. Pot-related? Uh, drug related. Yeah. Uh, I got caught with prescription cough syrup. Oh yeah, of course. That's the other thing yeah. is that that's, you know, if that's super popular in that scene, yeah. that's not the same. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and actually, you know, I credit Wiz a whole lot. Wiz was actually one of the guys that was like, yo, that's some bullshit. Put that shit down. Like, we don't, we already smoke mad weed. Why the fuck do you need to do this? Yeah. So he was actually like kind of anti it, but you have a lot of enablers in the industry that, you know, think it might be cool to be half asleep everywhere and all that type of shit. So I maintained that lifestyle for a good amount of time, and it caught up with me. I got caught with it in like 2011 in Dallas. And um, how do you get caught with that? Uh, I was in a car that got pulled over, mm-hmm. and um, uh, the last thing I thought as a passenger was that I was going to get fucked with. Yeah, because I was in a you know I was in a pretty Caucasian car you know mm-hmm. like it was a pretty uh, pretty upper middle class environment nice Camry uh, yeah so you know a nice you know, leather bound automobile yeah, so um, I was like you know whatever this is they're gonna talk to him they're not gonna deal with me well like due to you know law of attraction of me thinking that they immediately came to me and like hey, what's up with you let's let's talk about you. Uh, what's in your pocket? Get out of the car. And, you know, I had a prescription bottle in my pocket. And uh, they pulled it out. And I actually got let go that night because apparently they have to take it to the lab to confirm what it is inside. Sure. So I got, I guess, uh, indicted a couple months later and had to go through the legal process then, which was my first lesson that all lawyers aren't good lawyers. And no matter what a lawyer tells you, he's probably half-assing most of the time until you have an eye contact, come-to-God conversation with him about, do not fuck this up for me. If you don't have that conversation with your lawyer in legal trouble, you need to. Because if not, he's going to do the least amount of work for the most amount of money as possible. He doesn't give a shit about you, no matter what kind of lawyer he is. Even the Texas Hammer probably (laughs) would do it, you know, like, so... Even the Texas Even Hammer. Even the Texas Hammer. <laughs> Brian uh, Longcar. I think that might be a specialty, but I'm not sure. <laughs> and so uh, I didn't really have a good come-to-God moment with my lawyer, and I got put on probation for five years, Jesus which knowing Christ. what I know now is pretty much a fucking death sentence. Yeah. Like, that's basically like, we can arrest you and send you to prison at any given time for the next five years. Like, you can be doing nothing wrong, and we'll fucking throw you in prison for five years uh so you know i was thinking basically i was thinking about getting this over with i wasn't thinking about um anything else but getting it over with and i signed the paperwork and you know long story short i get with a lawyer now who's actually on retainer with me and he was like 
you shouldn't even be in this mess because this is very strange situation. Even from the time you were pulled over, like they don't, they had no right to mess with you basically. Yeah. So I could have got it thrown out. I could have got it thrown out. Cause I was thinking that myself, like, I don't know. Like, do they have a right to just figure out what's ever in your pockets? Right. And they actually don't. There's actually a rule in the laws that says they can't. So, uh, you know, I didn't know. Uh, my lawyer probably knew and didn't give a shit. Um, so they, I got put on felony. It's a felony too. It's a first degree felony. My charge carried the same charge as if I would have hacked Jake Kemp to death with a knife. That's insane, isn't it? First degree felony. So um, yeah, I'm still here. <laughs> <laughs> so that and was. I think if you're thing. on probation, especially given like the line of work you were in, like you're gonna be around people who have pot. Right. Like, you're gonna be around situations where people are maybe not driving drunk, but they're going to be drinking. Like you're going to be in clubs. Right. You're going to be around like it's nightlife, risky situations. Yeah. Yeah. And that was another thinking I thought in my head. I'm like, okay, cool. They're gonna drug test me, but I'm gonna move to LA and I'm gonna have a weed license, so they're not gonna care. So that was the next debacle I got myself into was trying to um, tell somebody how to do their job, especially a probation officer. Uh, and she was she was a um, she was a she was a stingent for the rules. I guess she was very rule related, and she wasn't trying to hear none of that shit about me moving to L.A. Weed license, I don't care. Fuck you, all that shit. So like, I had like. The first eight months I was on probation, and this is like in 2012 now. The first like eight months, I probably had like eight dirty UAs, and they're just <laughs> like, "Oh, like what are you doing, you idiot?" And I kept on just be, being like, "It's a lifestyle. I, I'm, I've got a weed license, you know." And they're just like, "All right, well, um, probation system is evidence based." And so as much as you think they're just going to come in and just yank you the seat out from under you the first time you mess up, they're really building a case. And they're presenting this case when they feel like it's the best case to present to the judge. So this probation officer was just you know, recording everything and presenting my case. Like this guy, he, and another thing that probation officers do is they write down everything you say. You could have, You can be like, I had tacos for lunch, and they're going to be like, subject had tacos for lunch. Like everything is being recorded, and so I, I, you know, put my foot in my mouth several times through that process, and I was just real ignorant to the situation. I didn't understand the importance of not only being on probation but being on felony probation, and on top of felony probation, first degree felony probation. That's pretty much you violate, and they look up how much time they're going to give you. They're not trying to hear, yeah, no other circumstance, yeah. And so I put myself in that position, um, and I actually was living in L.A., so I had a travel permit, uh, so I could tour. So I was on tours at this time, but I was still my. Were you like stressing out and shit like all the time, or did you kind of um, just think you're? I was, I thought I was good. I was kind of like close my eyes and it'll go away. Like yeah. after the first one, like after the first dirty test, and they don't put you in jail. I know me. I'd be like, well, oh fuck, they're pass, probably not even sending pass. these off. Yeah, yeah, they're not. They're throwing these away. Yeah, and so like you know, there's a little level of paranoia. Like when I was at the house, you know, because they have my address, I'm like, well, they potentially could come in at any time. And then you know, I messed up a few times. I got pulled over for a DUI, which is ironic because I don't even drink alcohol. So I got a DUI and I don't drink alcohol. So 
the rule is if you get arrested for something, that's a violation, not a charge. Arrested. So I violated by being arrested for a DUI. They ended up getting thrown out. And that's when everything went into a downward spiral. Spent a couple months dealing with that. And finally, they just revoked my bond, revoked my probation, and were like, get this clown in here. And this is like 2015 at this point. I had yeah. done this for like three and a half, four years. But just, you know, just kind of dancing around, not avoiding the subject, basically. And... um my lawyer at the time was basically just like, dude, just piss clean like three times and give me $10,000 I can get you off probation. <laughs> and I never did that. You know, I was just kind of like, well, if that's if it's that easy, no one really cares. Yeah. So I was just kind of like nonchalant about it. And it all caught up with me. Um, they put a warrant out. I got pulled over in an Uber, which is another I remember that. series of unfortunate events. The Uber had this huge, like, it was a Toyota Corolla. I was in Saxe, Texas, and he, the Uber was a Toyota because my license I got suspended, so I didn't have a license. I was in Ubers. I was I came home for my daughter's birthday of all things while on tour with Wiz, and um, they just kind of were like <laughs> the the Uber had this huge Afghanistan flag sticker that covered his whole back window. So I'm like, we're fucked. Like, <laughs> like fuck all this. So the Saxy police pulls us over. You think they're really trying to hear it? Yeah, the, that's Afghan that's when, pride, right? And this is like, this is you know, there have been some pr- police brutality situations, and so I'm freaking out. <laughs> and so he asked me once again. He's like, "Why are you in the back seat of a Toyota Corolla? There's nobody else in this car but you. Why are you in the back seat?" And he's in the, that's very strange. What's your name? I'm like, no, nah, this is an Uber. Why do you want my name? <laughs> and, yeah. and he's like, fuck you, give your name, or I'm I'm fucking you up, basically, is how his energy was projecting. So gave my name. He's like, Yeah, you definitely have a warrant for your arrest, Dallas County. Come with me. And um, this was like August of last year, 2015. And so I went to Dallas County jail. I sat in jail. And this my old lawyer, the one that was like, give me 10 grand and pissed clean three times was like he i remember my first court date was like four days after i got locked up and he just comes to the little like partition glass and he just was like you're fucked you're going to jail i can't do shit for you like clothed his folder up and like left god damn so i'm like jesus like you know like at this time my music career was kind of i was kind of moving into like a role where i'm still trying to develop now of just kind of being an ambassador, being a creative director, you know, kind of doing things more on the forefront than the behind the scenes. So this obviously put a damper on things. And um, I found the lawyer that I have now, and he gave me the straight. He's just like, he's like, I have to really like pull favors to get them to even listen to me on this shit. Like you, I have never met somebody that's screwed up this so bad. Like you've totally fucked yourself. Like, what were you thinking? You know, like, no one cares about your weed license. No one cares about your feelings at this point. Like, I'm going to have to, like, pull my favorite card every step of the way to even get you back reinstated on probation and do this right. And so he did. Uh, Which even that is, like, that's cool of him, but, like, that's... It's still How many people did that not happen for? And And that's something about the probation system. And... Unfortunately enough, 
like I've been blessed this past year, this calendar year, I've had two probation, three probation officers, one in the court and two field officers. And all three of those guys are straight shooters, people that really want to help. They really want to see you complete this task. And they're riding with you in the car. They're doing this. Here's my cell phone number. If you have, you know, they're, they're in direct constant contact. Unfortunately, the majority of probation officers, it's another day at the office. And fuck you, is it five o'clock yet? And their job is to catch you up. They're they're looking at everything. It's almost a um, look down on you type aspect because, huh, I'm a good citizen and you're not. Fuck you. And you know most of these guys like they're not they're not like alpha males. You know what I mean? Like they're not leaders. They're just they're kind of just doing their job. Yeah. And so like. And there's good ones out there, like I said, but the majority of them are like, they don't give a shit about you. They're looking at a piece of paper more than they're looking at you. They don't care about your story. You're an idiot. You're wrong. That's why you're sitting in front of me. Yeah. And so you run into these people that are supposed to help you and supposed to be concerned with you and all that. They are just trying to build a cool story to tell their wife when they come home at night, basically. Look, listen to what this idiot did. <laughs> You know, you know, stuff like that's the, the, the end game for them. And it's kind of almost like an ego stroke, too, because they deal with people that are less than them all day long. Yeah. And it's a little frustrating. You know, there's some odd jobs, the probation. They got to look at your dick when you piss. Yeah, there's Can reasons for them to be in a bad mood sometimes. Yeah, yeah, they literally have to watch urine come out of your penis, <laughs> which is a very weird feeling because, like, you'll be taking a UA the guy will be like trying to say something creative to say, I'm about to look at your dick, you know, and it'll be like, he'll be like, got to see where it's coming from or like something really <laughs> like nasty. You know, like that's coming. Is that your real dick? You know, stuff like that. <laughs> and so like, they're kind of beat down in their job, but you know, you gotta, you gotta be a great person to be a good probation officer. And unfortunately enough, you don't have a lot of good people yeah. that are trying to be great probation officers. So, where uh, where did you get hooked up with your lawyer? Uh, I think my mom. Oh, my grandfather found him through. He did research. A lot of this stuff is public information. So my grandfather, he was a lawyer for years and years and years. So he knew how to do the correct research to find out who was successful in this particular court. Mm-hmm. And he found this lawyer that was successful in this particular court. See, maybe, uh, maybe I'm crazy, but I, I would just think that someone who's really good at that, like that, the way that you would know, uh, you know, a good promoter, um, right? You think it'd be more of an open network? A good lawyer it would seem like they could really uh, make some hay. Yeah. Oh shit! These guys, they're killers, man. Like once you like, you think you got a good lawyer because he's charging you a lot of money and he talks fast, but a good lawyer is like his phone book. Who's who's is in his phone book? Who is he running with? That's what you're paying for. That's what you're paying for. Which is crazy because book. again, like, there's probably a lot of people that you've like associated with over the years or been in business with who probably wouldn't have been able to get out of some of the same oh, situations. Not even just humans in general. Your yeah. neighbor, yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's it's a dice roll every time yeah. because even if God forbid I get in trouble again. I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to have the ability to find the lawyer. That, see, it's not about having a good lawyer. It's about having a good lawyer that work that has a good rapport with this particular judge. My yeah. lawyer I have now might not be good 
somewhere, somewhere or, else. Yeah. And so being able to stay ahead of the curve every time, it's probably impossible. So the last, uh, the last when they pick you up, how long did you? How long were you in for? Two months. Two and months. it was uh, all Dallas County. Dallas County, yep. And and I uh, got out. I was on high risk caseload. I was reporting every twelve days. Um, and lucky, lucky for me, my probation officer is a real cool guy. He he kind of like the initial interview. He kind of like put his pen down and was like, wait a minute, like why are you here? Like you're you're smart. You've got somewhat of your shit together. You're financially stable. What the hell are you doing in this mess? And I kind of took that with me because I'm like, yeah, like, what the hell am I doing in this mess? And it became more of like, instead of being defiant and trying to stick it to the man and, you know, I've got a weed license and all this shit. It's like, all right, you got me. My hands are up in the sky. What can we do from here? And that's kind of the approach you have to take. Help me help you. Yeah. You know, and all that type of stuff. And once I kind of had that enlightenment, and realize that it's been a breeze. I've my probation officer I got now, and these are all guys. I'm not saying they're cool, like they'll never fuck, you know, like they're not gonna not do anything if I mess up, but they're cool in the fact that they're understanding human beings. And they've dealt with the worst of the worst, and they understand a good person is in front of them. If you present yourself that way, it's yeah. all about and it, and it's such an evidence-based situation that they're gonna know if you're bullshitting them. Like they have like a sixth sense of bullshit, so it's two just, months, huh? Yeah. What's uh like the worst two months of your life? It was pretty pretty wicked because not only was it two months, it was two months of start of football season. <laughs> Ooh. So like I had to <laughs> watch the football. last two I'd pick. God, it was the it was like you know like August and September, and uh, you know, yeah. Definitely the worst two months. And I'm I'm a clean guy. I'm a clean freak. Yeah. You know, the jail system is like a dorm. You're in the room with like 60 people. You know, people. It's not a cell. It's a, it's it's a, a full on dorm. Like, yeah. yeah. Like a cabin, like a big, horrible cabin. Like the military, pretty much. Yeah. Like, one yeah. Of those, yeah. like a barrack. Like a barrack. So you're even arguing with what football game to watch. Like I wanted to shoot myself over that. Yeah. Like people are like, let's watch UT, and this was last year when UT was like one in eighteen. Mm-hmm. Like fuck UT, like there's like a, the number five and number eighteen are playing. Why the fuck are we watching UT? So like shit like that pissed me off. And they like, got fewer choices than Buffalo Wild Wings. Yeah, yeah, just a yeah. little bit, just a little <laughs> bit. They, and the other thing is, so many people are making so much noise, you can't hear the TV. The noise would kill yeah, me. Man. Yeah, the constant just cacophony of yeah. trying to get people quiet while you're watching a movie is something I was introduced to in my high school years, and I'm getting flashbacks thinking about uh, it. it. It makes you hate everybody. Yeah, and like you'll like stare a hole through somebody because. He's a talker. Fuck him. Like he's talking through the game. I don't care about what he's saying. And you, de- it's the only time in my life that I've like organized people in my head by like the volume at which they regularly speak. Yeah, it's- like there's just one dude who's always fucking loud, and I still remember <laughs> him. And I like I'm friends with him on Facebook, and like I'll see his shit, and I'll like, be like, fuck like, talker. Yeah. <laughs> so loud. Did you ever have to like get anything physical? They probably keep a pretty no, good candle on you that. Know, I'm county. a big guy. Like I'm, yeah. I'm six three, two fifty. So, like, I'm not the first guy someone's looking to test. And, like, I've been in street-like situations outside of music, you know, like. It's going to come up. Like, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm able. I'm able-bodied. 
So, like, I'm not, then again, I'm also not somebody that's starting shit either. I've got my own money. I'm not having to borrow from nobody in there. Uh, somebody wants to borrow from me. I'm like, nah, no thanks, thanks but no thanks. So, I, I, I didn't try to see a lot of people, what they go wrong. Here's a tip for your listeners if they're <laughs> going to jail. Don't try to make friends in jail. Fuck those motherfuckers, man. And that's basically it. Would it would be tempting. You just got to be selfish and stick to yourself. And if you can stick to yourself, you're good. But, like, you know, there's no, like, imminent threat. You know, that nobody's walking around with a shank. People that are getting fucked up in jail deserve that shit. Nine out of ten times. <laughs> so how, how much do you have left? Like, probation? Man, I get off next month. Nice. This is, like, my show is my off-probation party, potentially. I've got it. All I have to do left is community service, and I am done. I've got like 100 hours done. I've got like 98 more to do. No, 68 more to do. And I'm done. Which, let's talk about community service. <laughs> this <laughs> shit here is a whole nother debacle. Don't mess this up for yourself. <laughs> like, like I, I, I want to help people. You know, I love helping people, even if it's uh, networking and forwarding information to someone who needs to get with something or something like that. I love helping people. But the majority of these community services is like wipe the dust off cans for eight hours or mm-hmm. uh, tape tape this thing to the wall and you've got like eight hours to kill. So like that's the only problem I have is I wish I was doing like community service that AI could pick, you know, because I would like want to help troubled youth or, you know, homeless charity miss, golf tournament. You know, yes, stuff, <laughs> stuff that procures the advancement of humans. But a lot, and here's another thing. So many, you know how many people are on probation in Dallas County? I do not. 50,000. That's a ton. 50, there's a metropolis of people (laughs) on probation in Dallas County alone. That's a suburb. Yeah. It's Flower Mound. Yeah. Flower Mound of Probationville. (laughs) So, like, (laughs) think about when that translates to everybody having 80 hours of community service. There's just not enough. There's not. They can't manage the workload. That's part of, like, over criminalization is you hand out community service, but there's not somebody to manage there's nothing that. to do. There's nobody to manage. And it, there might be, but it would take like a really focused like effort of, you know, you'd have to spend way more time on it, figuring out how to make best use of it than they're willing to do. It's like applying they're for just a job. to assign it. Yeah. Yeah. And like, there's a checks and balances system within community service. Like apparently there's the thing where you can buy your community service hours from certain establishments. Well, now it's all through the computer where like if you're not on if you're not a good rapport with the volunteer center your hours don't get reported and like you basically have to do the work now which is great i understand that if i do the crime i'll do the time i'm not worried about trying to cut corners but like there's nothing left to do because everyone's having to do it now right when you know people could just go sign off hours there was still okay. a good chunk of people that go do the work and it was available yeah. Now everyone has to actually do the hours. There's nothing to do. Well, if you have a place where uh, Brick and Come Garden, <laughs> it's approved through the Dallas County Volunteer right. Center. I'm a good worker. I, well, I put in sweat equity. I'm really glad we did this, dude. It was fun. Yeah, yeah. I um, just I had one last question. Yeah, sure. for sure. Do you think that with Derrick Rose and Carmelo Anthony, the Knicks are a super team on the level of the Warriors? <laughs> Fuck the Knicks. Fuck the Knicks. Why do you care anymore? You got to ride with fucking Rondo, Jimmy. I'm just asking. I'm, I, don't, I don't have Where an interest. You? I just just thinking you're today. Chicago. I'm, yeah, I'm oh, you're fan. a Chicago guy. Right, yeah. right, right. 
I was just, you know, thinking about Derek's comment, kind of turning it over my head. I've been thinking about it a lot lately. I Did just you wanted see to get the, a, You see the video surfacing on social media of NBA 2K17 where Derek Rose is running down the court. And this is a video. This is actual live recording from a video game being played. Derek Rose is just jogging down the court and just falls over, and he's hurt. He's holding his knee and everything. It's not and our it, problem anymore. It's not a glitch in the game. It's because his injury rating is so high in the game that he randomly does fall down and get I'm hurt. just glad it didn't involve like female fans or something. Like I thought you were going to tell me something about <laughs> no, something that happened in the stands. No or, need to bring none of those are substan- None Nick, of those claims are substantiated. The, the Knicks dancers or something. I'm a diehard no Dallas charges. sports fan. Anybody but the Cowboys, Mavericks, Rangers, sidekicks. Desperados, fuck you. Vaqueros. Vaqueros, I don't care. So uh, do you want to plug a site to go? Do you want to, like, do we, should we just say Bomb Factory? Yeah, just go to bombfactory.com. You can hit me on Instagram. Uh, I can direct you. There's going to be some physical ticketing locations. My Instagram is BrickMason, B-R-I-C, Mason. Uh, my Twitter is Mason Brick because some dickhead already had Brick Mason. <laughs> It happens, man. Yeah. You'll buy it back one day. Yeah, I'll, I'll get there. Offered twenty for TC Fleming, and the dude wouldn't so you do it. Feel my pain, right? Absolutely, it's insane. He's got like five followers, tweets once every six. You know, months. another worst thing is the dude who has straight up at Jake Kemp is British. Oh, fuck, fuck double. You him. deserve that. Yeah, I know. I really do. Yeah. All right, man. So uh, everyone, go see Wiz uh, November eighteenth at Bomb Factory. Probably need to get your tickets within the week of hearing this. Yeah. Not a super huge venue for going a on dude sale Friday, uh, this Friday, this Friday uh, at 10 a.m. And uh, Lord willing, they're going to probably sell out. Um, uh, so it's going to be a fun time. I always try to add extra elements. I uh, oh yeah, I told Twitter that I was going to buy all the state fair food and resell it. <laughs> <at> Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> don't make that i promise. might fall short on that but uh i did take the fletcher's corn dogs uh granddaughter to prom in high school so i might have some right. fletcher's corn dogs there you got the hookup yeah all right brick we appreciate it man i appreciate y'all dude that was awesome appreciate it. that was fun as fuck